Hey everyone, welcome back to the BMX in our blood. Just got back from Pittsburgh from the Welcome Jam as well as the uncovered stop number two there. An amazing time. So I just wanted to thank you all for listening, of course, but also let you know that this interview with Robbie Morales is the second to last of the three from Swamp Fest in Florida a couple weekends ago. Thanks again to Trey Jones for putting on an amazing event. So again, uh, Robbie Morales today, and then John Paul Rogers next week, followed by the Pittsburgh interviews, which are really, really good as well. Uh, we've got Brian Kaczynski, Mike Cottle, Gary Young, and Tom Dugan. So quite a few stacked up. I'll release them a little bit at a time. I know some of you have said that they're a little tough to keep up with. Any input you have on that, let me know. Send me a message through GromDad2000 on Instagram or find me on Facebook. Just at Joe Doherty, D-O-H-E-R-T-Y. So anyway, hope everyone's doing well. Enjoy the podcast. So anyway, yeah. So day one. We'll just talk about. Yeah, we were pretty much. Day one was a long time ago, I realized that. Yeah. But, uh, Anyway, so welcome back to the BMX in our blood. I'm here with the man, the trail boss, Robbie Morales. He probably doesn't want me to go <laughs> that overboard with it, but it's the truth. We're here at Swamp Fest, and I'm really fortunate to be able to catch amazing guys like Robbie and John Paul and Ronnie Bonner, and there's a few other surprises coming. So uh, let's get right into it. What's going on, Robbie? Not much. Happy to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, what an awesome venue to do this at. It's like a BMX reunion slash kind of redneck barbecue. It's going to be <laughs> unbelievable. There's no doubt. I think we're facing the mutter pit. Yeah, literally. We're facing our mutter pit in, in one side for whatever, monster truck, something or others. And then behind us, we get this whole jump line set up yeah. that Trey Jones built up. And it's cool if, you, if you pull out of the jumps, you fall into a pool of water. <laughs> And I think I seen Trey P in it earlier, so I, it's probably not going to be that. Fun. I warned my friends. Yeah. I'm like, you know, one 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 person came with me, and uh, and she was like, I'm going to jump in the water. I brought my bathing uh, yeah. suit. I'm like, oh yeah, let me show you a video. Yeah, don't jump in that one. Yeah, I showed her the video of, of, of Trey. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, it's Trey. It's all right. Oh my goodness, <laughs> that's amazing. Anyway, yeah. so really the. Uh, known you for a long time Likewise, big reason yeah. big reason i wanted to uh to interview you is is as you may know this podcast is primarily east coast focused uh west coast gets gets a lot of exposure on its own just by nature of where it is and and uh i want people to know who robbie morales is you know because you're obviously known as the man behind cult and the front man also but the man with cult and uh there's so much history to you it's just amazing and, and i i <laughs> no, just thank you you know we'll go back to a little bit of the beginning yeah just with you know danny boys super fly totally. that kind of thing we'll start with that and then we'll build from there yeah so grew up in long island new york uh seacliff is a small town little hippie town um i lived down the road from Superfly and danny boy uh my early racing going a little bit before i met those guys i raced um the reason I know now is I found a trophy. My, my parents threw away all my trophies, which is kind of a bummer. Because, you know, after a while, you amass a lot of them. But we had to move, so we threw them out. But yeah. I kept one because it was a 
it was a Coca-Cola can filled with cement, you know, and that was kind of the trophy you got because they sponsored the race. It was a race in 82 in Vegas. It was a world championship race, and I was uh, like 11 novice at the time. Wow. And um, What were you doing out there? Exactly. So the funniest <laughs> thing is my parents weren't into BMX right out of the gate. Yeah. But when I had went to a local, the local track, Belmore on Long Island, and come home with a trophy the same day, I went with my friend, um, came home with the trophy. My dad was like, wait a minute, you, you left this morning and you came back with a trophy? He's like, We're, since that moment, that was like the light bulb. He was all in after that. Yeah. So a year later, we're in Las Vegas at the World Championship, <laughs> and I've been racing for like 11 months. It was insane. So I, I, I made the main there. We went with another family from New York. <clears throat> and to give you an idea of how competitive things were back in those days... Yeah. Since I made the main and, won, and got the trophy, and the kid that and their parents that we went with didn't, they walked back to the hotel on the other side of the street. <laughs> That's how, you know. So BMX racing was super cutthroat for me since the early, you know, yeah. very competitive. The tri-state area was, you know, when you when you went to the end of Long Island to to, to Shoreham, that was a heavy NBL track. When you went to Connecticut, it was heavy NBL. All really good riders that could jump as well so it was like you had to figure it out pretty quick and I probably went three years of like just straight getting my ass kicked before it started to finally come around you know and then obviously you know some years I was good some years I was you know I had shitty years whatever but I always loved it and and uh the difference for me was I just always wanted to ride the trails that were in the the city of where the the national was or the local track or whatever or you know just basically get to the next session that was the whole goal i wasn't so much a competitive racer i was more kind of just wanted to have fun riding my bike and my only way i could do that with my parents support was to race you know and that was that was tough you know because i probably wanted to freestyle and just ride trails uh earlier but I kind of was, you know, stuck at the track doing gates and stuff. But, you know, we found ways to make it fun. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So Sounds like you sold them on racing first by coming yeah. back with that first trophy. Exactly. And what are you going to get out of the trails? Yeah, it, totally. You're not going to get a trophy at the trails. Yeah, and the, for some reason, <laughs> trophies were important. So from then on, then they would tell me where we were going. Oh, we're going to Utah. I'd be like, for what? You know what I mean? But they had the race bug, and uh, I'm very thankful they did because those were really, really amazing times. You know, the... I think for all of us, as much as like the, most of the guys you've done in the podcast were like, yeah, I raced, but I really didn't care. Yeah, yeah it, was, it wasn't the actual racing. It was the fact that it was a community and we were doing something together and it was fun and it was family orientated and it was really, you know, really just uh, based around having a good time, you know. Obviously, if you did good, icing on the cake, you know, but I was weird. I'd win Saturday and be tired and not even qualify for the main on Sunday. I'd do weird shit just because... Yeah. It wasn't that, you know, I'd never held myself to that, you know, kind of buckle down standard, you know, even, even in, not until later on, you know, but early on, I just, I just kept wanting to ride, you know, and jump stuff. So yes, yeah, you, so you weren't doing sprints at home exactly. and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. Know. Right. Right. You know. Really working at that. Totally. Yeah. And then I was lucky enough to, to meet like Superfly and stuff and they, you know, yeah, granted I was at the trails when I met those guys. I don't know. I just knew there were jumps there. And I didn't know who built them either. And then Superfly was quick to figure it out. Like, oh, well, we can just build them. Don't quit looking for them. We'll just build our own, you know? And then that 
I was lucky enough to have him doing that, you know, so we had a place to ride from early on, you know. Yeah, which place was that? Was that Port or? Even before that, man. Oh, there was, wait, wait, yeah. You know, there was, uh, he built jumps at Methodist Church in Seacliff and then also um, this other circle track in Glen Cove that, I mean, we rode there every day for a summer or two. Then, you know, he kind of transferred onto Port and Kiko and, you know, he's, he's amazing because he still does it to this day, you know? Yeah. You know, so so the is. dynamic was weird for me because I had, I had already started traveling with racing, so it it was tough. Sometimes I'd leave town and come back. That would make dudes feel some type of way or whatever. But I was I was already off and running, you know, fourteen, you know, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. We were driving in New Jersey, racing two times in one day, and just being really dedicated to it. Still getting my ass kicked, but getting better. Right. And then right around, you know, 15 or 16, it started to click. And then, you know, you, you, you're you expert at that point. You're going to nationals. You're, you know, every now and then you win one and you're, you're excited and it keeps you going until the next one and stuff like that. You well, know. just back then, I just think yeah. making mains was yeah. a big deal. I mean, totally. even, even if you didn't win, yeah. if you're in the lineup and, you know, with the guys you were against, it was it was no joke. You know? Yeah, totally. That, that That's what, like... I want to stress how competitive it really was and I just was kind of lost because I didn't have that real competitiveness in me mm -hmm. uh, I, you know I saw dudes that did and I kind of aspired to be like them but at the end of the day I just wanted to ride right know? so you had to find it for those yeah, weekends totally you had to turn it on right you know? right, right I you care know? dad I yeah, care I deep, really do dig right. deep you're like fuck <laughs> it's not there well yeah. I remember distinctively at one point because back in the day we would always, you know, everything was by magazine and yeah. by newspaper. So whether it was an NBL paper or an ABA paper or even, I think it was USBA. Oh, yeah. yeah so there was around. USBA, who I think was out of Texas, maybe? Yeah, totally. So I remember getting USBA, yeah. a USBA newspaper, and seeing that you went, I think, to the USBA Grand. Yeah. yeah, some weird race. Yeah, yeah, and I think you made the main yeah. or did something big. Like, yeah. you... That's hilarious. You did really good. And I remember going... <laughs> Wow, that guy goes everywhere. But, you know, obviously there was some drivers going on there with your yeah, parents. and Totally. But, you know, thank God that happened that way because, you know, you became, I think, amazing. You, no, thank you. In in the most competitive class, and we'll talk about when it it's turned good. into like... First time I, I met Brian Foster, who was uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, uh, BMX track on the inside of the NASCAR racetrack. Yep. So cool. I remember uh, Last straight had a decision maker. You could go high or low. Fourth place in the semi. I went low. Brian went high. Passed me. And uh, we didn't know each other at the time. Years later, yeah. I tell the story. Like, oh, this one race, I, my heart was broken. You know, <laughs> it was like the most quiet 15-hour drive back to New York. You know? Right, right. He's like, wait, was that you know 13 expert or something? Yeah. Shit, that was me. I passed you. <laughs> this is like years later when we were doing fit. We put it all together. We were no like, way. That so, many yeah, years later. Totally. So, you know, shout yeah. out to Brian because he's always been that guy that was yeah. obviously better than me. Right. But every now and then, you know, I'd give him a run for his money. Yeah. And and he was always really respectful and cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and his brother, too. So it was always cool having a certain core <laughs> group of guys that were sure. down for each other. You, yeah. you know what I mean? And that that made that made all of it a lot easier. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And, and when it when it 
turned into, I forget if it was 17 and over at the time mm-hmm. you turned 17 or if it, if it by then it turned to 18 and over. But yeah. by then, you were still making some serious mains before you... Um, I, I think I think the one thing I had on my side was that, it, you know, obviously the jumping part of it. So even on the gate, I would know I wasn't going to win to the first turn. No way. I didn't have the, the horsepower. But, you know, there was a rhythm section or kind of a hard jump or shit, I'd cut the track or I'd do all sorts of weird shit, you know, to get in there. Yeah, and I right. agree, you know. Um, I saw Wildman, you know, Todd Lyons just posted one where Zalewski took him out in the first time. Uh, uh, it was Florida, right? Yeah, and then... Yeah. And then I cut the track in the last turn and took Zalewski out. <laughs> you know? that was so, great, yeah. Oh, that all came from the podcast him and I did. Yeah. It was so funny, and and uh, because he had done it in the first turn, or so, I yeah. don't know. And then I and did he, it in the last turn. Yeah, and he was like, "We're even. We're all good." Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's how it used to be. I remember one time, Waterford Oaks. I I crashed Todd. You know, Todd was always better than me, but I could I could get near him and push him over a berm or something. I'm talking lions. Right? Yeah, yeah. Tired to TL. Yeah. Yep. And. uh so I take him out in the last turn. I go on to win the race, and I'm waiting at the finish line. And then he gets up and backflips the last jump, you know. <laughs> and his dad comes down hot. Dad oh, comes down, you know, man. the short shorts on, hip yeah, pack. Oh, yeah. You know, fucking tank top, just <laughs> fucking right in my face. And he said, listen, Morales, air for show, ground for go. <laughs> I have no idea to this day what that meant, but they were hot, man. And, uh... He was basically saying that TL still won. Even he lost. Somehow he still won, even <laughs> exactly. And uh, even to this day, he's that guy in my life because yeah. he's done really well with the the wheelie bikes and yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. And I'll right. have distributors that'll be like, Colt's doing well, and we like it. Right. But what Todd Lyons done has reinvented BMX. You know, so this fucking guy is still a thorn in my side. But we're going on like 40 years. It's insane. You know, that 30 years later. Oh my God. Uh, that's too funny. Yeah. yeah you got, got to give him credit. He's, that, always, that's he's the, always found a way. That's my thing, man. Never hate on a wild man. He was always yeah. good to me. He, he, I was his wingman when we would hook up with, you know, if he hooked up with a chick, he'd always have right, the, right. the busted friend for me to hook up with. <laughs> he, he, he was that guy, you know, the busted friend right he'd be like hey i need help uh, like, all right man what are we doing yeah. <laughs> you know wow so yeah well you know what's kind of funny is the two of you both were somewhat unconventional it's like <laughs> yeah totally. you know it, well, it's probably an understatement but it's you weren't like you know how you see a runner you know you yeah. got this this ideal you know perfect physique to be totally. a runner and neither <laughs> you or todd yeah. uh had had like the perfect powerful first straight yeah. like the uh the shelby james kind totally. of thing you know what i mean you found a way you guys both found a way and then eventually he's you know he just yeah got and, better, and he was uh, he was really dedicated too you know brian as well they were they were so dedicated to their craft whether it was you know riding trails for a few hours a day then doing gate starts doing sprints they were they were all in you know and all, and, all three of you found a way because yeah, yeah. BF too. Totally. Same, same yeah. thing. Not a yeah. great first straight. Yeah. You know, it, and I, I've got a video of you and I racing 18 and over at Ben Salem. Yeah. Expert. This is just before you turned, I'm sure, mm-hmm. before you turned pro, but it's, it was a beat ass track. I mean, it was, yeah. we were racing. That track was so busted. Oh yeah. We were racing yeah. like Pritchard and all these people. And yeah. Oh man. Yeah. It was Pritchard. It was Larry Mears. Yeah. Um, I forget who else. He was on White Bear then. Yeah. But anyway, I think BF was yeah. in oh, yeah. there. Yeah, because totally. he hadn't turned yet. Yep. And in that, I swear, I watched the whole thing because I remember getting taken out by Mighty Mo in the mm-hmm. semi. And of course you did. Still pissed to this day, yep. but that's oh, yeah. all good. Only because his glasses were thicker than mine. <laughs> that pissed me off. 
but anyway, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, it, we were in the same moto and I just watched this back and I'm like, Ro- Robbie is just weaving through the pack. <laughs> and, and you remember that big yeah. wall of a totally jump before the second turn? Yeah. So many people ate shit. They would just go, yeah. people that couldn't do it would just go head, you know, yeah. ass over TKL, old term. Wow, I'm old. That was I a like really that old one, term. I like that one. But I saw people do it in pro too. Yeah. I think Choo Choo did it. He would just yeah. flip and right early race that. days, I had met Enos Colombo. Yeah, yeah. That was like one of my other early, early friends. And, uh, and Brooks Manbeck and and Hollywood and these these this crew yeah and so they were um, Enos was from Garden City which was another town on Long Island and then um, so he had a whole bunch of shit to ride by him which was cool that we'd explore and then the Brooklyn guys had trails too so that was a whole another thing so at some point the bike just became a vehicle to get out of our town you know we wanted to go ride different stuff different places. You know, and that's what was really cool. So we would say, oh, we're going to a race here. And, you know, we'd come up to Connecticut, ride your backyard or, yeah, you sure. know, stuff like that. And those were the, those were the best times because you were getting a, you were getting to ride trails and get a session in and mm-hmm. enjoy that. And then, yeah, if you, if you went and you read, sometimes we didn't even race, but we'd go to the race, you know? Right. Right. Or we'd miss a moto because we we're getting a cheeseburger or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've done right. that. Me and Mulligan overslept one time. Oh God. Yeah. That's, that's good stuff. But yeah. So, basically, you you excelled through, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but I can't understate, or I can't overstate enough, I should say overstate for sure, how amazing it was when I watched you at the Indoor NBL Grands win Superclass. Oh, thank you. And that was, I don't, I don't think people the kids now definitely would even understand what you had to go through just to get even to yeah, the main totally and i think you passed for the win yeah and i think i think what's weird is there's certain moments when you're racing and you know you put in the hours on the bike you feel good jumping you feel one with the bike as corny as that sounds True. so then you're on the gate and you're like holy shit like this i could fucking i can win this like right because i wasn't the most confident guy either you know i've always been kind of just didn't didn't have that type of sure. ultra confidence so right. but every now and then shit would line up and you'd be like oh it's happening yeah. before it even happened yeah. so that one you're talking about is really weird because i was listening to like smashing pumpkins which is like melodramatic you right, know? Right. And i'm like all emotional and shit right, and then, right then i'm on the gate and i'm like what am i like down about i'm gonna fucking win this you know and then you go and you do and you're like holy shit like I, it is there you know but i think the the consistency was never there with me, so it would be really defeating <laughs> when the next weekend it wouldn't be there. You'd be like, what the hell is going on? I didn't or, even make my semi. Right, or even my parents would be like, you're insane. How did you? 20 hours ago you won. Now you don't even make right. it out of the motos? I'm like, I'm tired, or whatever it was. You know. So, yeah, it was a roller coaster since day one, yeah. and I was lucky to have a peer group of friends, honestly, right. that were supportive mm-hmm. and, and had my back in good or bad. I remember... I remember, you know, fast forward into Double A Pro. Right. I was in lane two in Evansville, Indiana, the first main. Gary Ellis is in lane one. He's late to getting to the gate. All my friends from Long Island, Tom Bavona, Tara, Irochi, they're all on the first straightaway, and they're fucking hackling the shit. 
out of Gary Ellis. They're heckling Gary Ellis, right. man, the number one of number ones. Right. Sorry, Danny Boy. And da- Danny Boy's there. They're all there. Danny Boy probably wasn't heckling. No, no, though. Danny wasn't. He was cheering for no Gary. Yeah. Exactly. So, right. so Gary, Gary, right. I shit you not, rolls in the gate and goes, "Those are your buddies." I'm like. This is we're on the gate for the first double A pro main. I'm pretty happy because right. I, I didn't make a lot of those, so right. this was a big deal. Oh sure. And uh he's like I'm like, Yeah, those are my they're with me, you know. And uh No denying. I shit you not, that gate dropped. He was in my lane before I even moved. <laughs> I almost high sided over his rear wheel. And then later in the day You didn't yell over, Thanks guys, yeah, yeah. your friends. And then I told him, I said, Man, shut the fuck up when I'm on the gate, some Gary Ellis tried to kill me. And then later that day, I go to the rental car and Gary Ellis is having a beer with my dad before the third main. I said, what the, what the hell is going on here? You know, so yeah, that one was weird. A lot of those guys, they low key, would, you know. Right, right. They, you know, my dad would say, don't dehydrate. And they'd say, oh, Mitch Brown's got a cooler full of, they always knew he had a cooler, cooler full of beer, you know, so. Oh, your yeah. dad was the best. Oh, he's classic, huh? Oh, he was absolutely the best. I, I love he'd wear socks one day and get sunburned. Yeah. And then not wear them the next day and have the, the tan line. My mom would get so pissed. Oh, two-tone tan line? Two-tone, yeah. She'd be like, Bob, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, rest his soul. He's a good dude, man. He took me oh. to so many races and, like, yeah. he was so into it. And he was never never put any pressure, just just wanted to go and have a good time. And that that's right. why I think BMX is... So so awesome. I, I hate that it's gotten so competitive and yeah. and kind of Olympic. I, I loved it when it was just kind of like, hey, let's go have a good time with the crew and right. you know what I mean and enjoy right. it and, and, and love you know, riding for what it is. Oh, how often did we race yeah. a regional or a national at totally. Shoreham and then we all went to the trails yeah. afterward? Or if it was Connecticut or Ben yeah. Salem, we would go to Drexel or something yeah, afterward. Exactly. That was like key. Yeah. You just don't see it anymore. It's yeah. it's uh, it's it's a little sad, but but um, but anyway. I mean, accomplishment wise, it, it's I just don't I I don't feel we as a community have given you enough credit for how good you were. And it's weird because if you think about it, even I caught the tail end of you know. So what are you pro for? You know. Well, I made it to the highest level of racing. Okay, I one year I made a few mains. Right. When, I, when I stayed with John Person, he made me do sprints at 3 a.m., you know? Um, I but didn't beyond know this that, part of the story. Yeah, but beyond that, like, then you're at a dirt jump comp, what, what are you going to enter? I mean, I guess I'll enter pro because I can get over the jumps, and I'm I'm fine with that, but I don't, I didn't really necessarily want to be a pro, you know, and then at one point I'm in the X Games, you know, I didn't want to be in the X Games, you know, Dave Mira didn't want to ride dirt, he gave me a slot, I go in, I overjump the first set and break my collarbone on national TV you know like that I the non-competitiveness carried over into that yeah and it sucked because those were key times where you know I would get magazine photos it was all about the magazines back then oh yeah and then you'd get a magazine photo or you'd get coverage or sponsors or whatever and people you know they would question it oh why is this guy good he only does five tricks or but that was my goal I know I only wanted to do five tricks and I wanted to do them really good and I wanted to do them everywhere and that's where I think you know, to touch on the trail boss thing quick. You know, I think that's where well, that. Don't worry, came we'll from. get it. We'll get into all right, that. Cool. Well, who? All right, well, yeah. All right, so so trails obviously yeah. always important was really the reason you were doing it was to ride trails. So you were extremely good at trails. You know, smooth as hell, just just talented, just talented on a bike in general. But trails, absolutely great. So where did where did trail boss come from it was 
given to you. Yeah. It wasn't self-named, obviously. So, regardless of what Moliterno says, Tuesday night, Sean BMX, kid named Mark Spiegel, has a Trail Boss sticker. I believe it was his uh, truck suspension company. And he handed me the sticker and goes, here you go, boss. Like, kind of just kidding around. I put the sticker on my bike, and then it kind of kind of went from there. Was I telling people I was the trail boss? No, but did that become my nickname? Yeah, and I thought it was pretty cool. I love what Chuck, you know, Ground Chuck said in his in, in podcast. It was it was tough for me then because then everywhere I went, I had to ride these trails first try, you know, blindly and get through them. But I enjoyed that too. It was kind because, of fun because yeah. there's this expectation then. exactly because you got nicknamed something that yeah. you were given. And it was unwanted, and it, and it was kind of post racing, you know, competitively. Sure. So, like, like Round Truck was saying, I was already kind of a man, you know. So yeah, yeah if some yeah. kid did pop off, I did fucking check him, you know, and and you know, well, one, you know, one I liked, the kid was filming with a video camera, and he was, you know, talking shit, and I punched the front of the camera, and it poked him in the eye, <laughs> and I thought that was a good one, you know. But like stuff like that would happen, and you know, so. And I would be annoyed by it because the whole reason I wanted to ride trails was to get away from the competitiveness. I didn't want to bring that with me. I was done with it. Right. You know what I mean? But, you know, when you go down to Posh, Drexelbrook, and Nam, and those best trails in the world, you know, that shit didn't exist. They, you just right. wanted to, like, have a good time and, and get through. And, yeah, if you crashed, you'd get some shit or you cased or whatever. But, right. by and large, those were, those were epic sessions full of amazing riders that were dedicated and I was just lucky to you know be able to ride a lot of those spots because I wasn't a big digger like like Brown Chuck said you know my my quote was you don't see Tony Hawk building the vert ramp so that that uh that would get me in a lot of trouble Tara's probably still pissed to this day you know what I mean they're, they're, I never did I'd move dirt or scrape the pit which they hated right so right. You, I'd scrape the pit so you could ride that day Tara right. would be like that is not how you do it right. you know what I mean you get know, that shiny glean of mud off so you could hit <laughs> so it so I could get through it right yeah. maybe spring a little dry dirt on top oh, I didn't even know how to do that so he'd be super pissed you know and uh yeah so so you know I'm just thankful those dudes were, yeah yeah know. yeah right you know look at that we got a Hallahan wow. um yeah well let's touch on something else because yeah. I think uh maybe a misunderstanding of you on the outside might be that all right. In my world, I would call this for myself personally. Mm. I would call it maybe like an offense defense type of thing. Yeah. When people are giving you shit, which yeah. I caught a lot of shit because I had issues when I was a kid, you know, hair loss, the whole thing. I would catch a lot of shit. And the best, my best offense was to be a joker, yeah. be the class clown, totally, be whatever. So. I just want to know, in your life, did you find yourself in your teenage years and maybe your 20s, yeah. did you find yourself using an offense, which may be being a funny guy? Yeah. You know, I remember you calling kids pissing at, you know, all yeah. kinds of stuff. Absolutely. Just, does that make any, does yeah. that resonate at all? Yeah, when you're trying to survive and you're trying to find your footing in a kind of a, a weird place. And I never reacted well to awkward dudes or, or weird guys, you know, and, and I... It was interesting, right? Because if you look at skateboarding, you get a lot of artistic kids who are, you know, kind of more into in, introverts, you know? Right. And BMX is more kind of, it's a machine, so you got to almost be a daredevil, and you're more a little bit jockey, dare I say, but yeah. like you're, you know, so when you're, when you're swimming in that pool, 
yeah, man, I had I had to be on the defensive and kind of bob and weave and find ways to make it happen. And, and uh, yeah, I probably pissed a lot of people off. But, you know, my, my rule of thumb was if you're awkward or you're not cool, I'm not fucking with you. Right. And, and that goes for my whole career. Mm-hmm. If I quit a team or if I did a weird move that people didn't understand, if you rewind it back and I explain it, you'll go, oh, shit, I see. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Right. It was an awkward situation. He didn't want to be around it. He fucking bailed. Right. You know? Right. And I know that I've pissed a lot of people off in the past, but I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't be around that. You know what I mean? And, and uh, right. you know, transferring that into helping other riders and running brands. Right. I try to keep them out of those situations. And I think that's why some of the things I've done have been successful because you kind of shelter the dudes away from the weird shit. And they can just focus on their riding and, and, and develop as a rider on their own. Yeah, I mean, you're sensitive to it. Yeah, yeah. There, there has to be some empathy there, yeah. yeah. And sympathy, yeah, exactly, man. Right, yeah, yeah which which I'm sure it, in a mentoring on a mentoring level, that's got to be huge. Yeah. That's got to make you a great, well, I don't know if we call you a team manager also, or are yeah. you both? I mean, I feel like, yeah, for a lot of guys I have been, and, and, and that's the thing, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to be categorized as just a glorified team manager you know there's so much more to it and there's so much a bigger vision there but like you're saying if people are going to dwell on a a witty statement I said or something rude that pissed somebody off and they're going to they're going to carry that 20 years later that's that's fucking that's their issue you know Uh, and and I and honestly I don't think people do I think I think uh I think it's just something that's interesting to talk about because it's part of all of our lives. Yeah. We all deal with it in some way, uh, whether you're being bullied, whether you're whatever the deal is. Totally. It's, it's, you know, and I think the way you dealt with it, you know, if someone was yeah. giving you shit because you were, you know, quote unquote, the trail boss, it's probably the best way you could deal it. What else are you supposed to do? And you want to protect it too, right? Because you're like, no, yeah. this is this is our deal. This is yeah. this is our shit. You're you you can't you can't go there. Right. You know what I mean? You're not you're not on that level. You right. can't go there with me. You know what I mean? And I think that you know that that goes either way. You know, I've I've like so you I don't said, have to get it because this is I can edit out whatever. No, it's all right. Okay. Yeah, it's it's one of those things, man. You're just like I I always felt protective of of BMX, and I tried to put it in the best light possible yeah so if i saw somebody making it look shitty i was going to call them out i think that's what we're losing today yeah i mean think about it man you know you roll up to the fucking trails with four pegs a gyro standing platform and <laughs> front and rear brakes you're gonna get roasted right, right. you know and and uh yeah. we were good at it i was good that were dudes even better than me the younger generation was even harsher yeah you yeah. know what i mean and and uh right. they used to you know, tear and they tear up. up good people. Yeah. I remember Craig Reynolds, Doctor Smooth. Doctor yeah. Smooth is his nickname. He's going through the trails, the twenty pack at Seven Eleven. Yeah, yeah. Tara's filming. Right. Craig eats shit, and Tara says, "Yeah, look at Doctor Smooth eating shit at my trails." <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, you know, I interviewed Keith as well, and yeah. a, a lot of the interview—well, not a lot of it. Part of the interview was based on the whole Nyquist boxing. Match oh yeah, because. You know, I, he what he bike racked one yeah. or broke a bike or something. Broke a bike right in front of us. Yeah, we about shit ourselves, yeah. man. <laughs> right. He rolled in with a filming crew. Didn't really say hi to anybody. Well, yeah, I think that was part of the beef. Was yeah. there was no notice that he was coming. Dude. It was just you know, whatever. It showed up. It showed and up. then now, yeah, I bet we'd all have a beer together because Nyquist is a fucking solid. Oh dude. no doubt. And Terry's a solid dude. Oh it's yeah, funny. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why. But back then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
you fucking pissed on the wrong tree. You know, yep. it's crazy. Yep. And that's why I love doing these because we we all can laugh about it yeah. now and learn something from it. And you know, we all developed into yeah. you know grown men with responsibilities. And well, that you know. was the thing too. I was I was a little hesitant to do it the podcast because I feel like I don't know Quincy Jones just did one in. Uh, Oh yeah, he aired out a lot of things like you know sure. Stevie Wonder's not blind, you know just because he's that in the music industry and in with those people. Sure, that's my fear. Is I that's I a know old statement, right? Man. Like I know a lot yeah. of weird shit about a lot of weird people. Yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. I got to be like right. But I do want to. I do want to talk about a lot of it. You yeah, know? you know what? It, all right, so you want to go heavy? Right, yeah, we'll that's what I mean. You know, we'll go heavy. Yeah. All right, so. Obviously, I'm totally off. Of, I, I have no script. I, yeah. just, I just threw it out the window. I love it. I just threw it out the window. I, I really don't care about yeah. my notes, nothing. Because uh, I would think a lot of people would would love to know the progression from pro yeah. to getting into the business, which you were still riding at the time you were with Fit. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, totally. Or, I'm sorry, T1 first. T1, then Fit. Yeah. T1, then Fit, and then yeah. Colt. Yeah. So... Uh, take me through the steps and maybe some of the good, maybe some of the bad, because yeah. it's, you've, you, you have, let me first say this before you go off on that subject, you, you've gone through some crap and developed a, a really strong brand and, uh, however that crap happened, yeah. you've persevered through it and, you know, that's, that's something that I think is a big deal. So you know, you, you start with the T1 deal on and yeah. So T1 was amazing. That was, that was, uh, you know, was spawned on road fools one essentially, you know what I mean? Being asked to be a part of it. Um, you know, there again, there's another crazy thing, you know, Joe Rich and Taj Mahalik asked me to be a part of this brand and you know, I'm not nowhere near the rider they are, but I'm a good mouthpiece. I'm passionate. Mm -hmm. They knew I'd bust my ass to help them in any way I could and I was dedicated and I was you know they, they trusted me and then um, I, I stuck with it and learned a bunch about business and how to manufacture frames and how to the process of doing that and t-shirts and stuff like that and they, they were an open book they had you know I think I had more way more of a business liking to them to the point where I even just reconnected with Joe recently um on some letters I had written him during that time. Okay. And when he initially read those letters, he was probably pretty fucking annoyed with me. But now that he looked back at it all this time later, he said it was just foreshadowing where you were going anyway. I should have I shouldn't known that. Right. Because I was saying things like, hey, let's make this thing bigger. You know, we've got the coolest brand ever. Yeah. You know, we have a handlebar that bends every pair you buy, but there's a sticker on the crossbar and, and you have to have that sticker so every kid fucking buys it regardless. Yes. And we created almost just the most organic, coolest brand in the fucking history of BMX, in my opinion. Uh-huh. And, uh, but I also knew that internally they were fine with being very idealistic and running it a certain way, which would give it a ceiling and it wouldn't afford it to grow. So a guy like me who, 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 who needed it to grow for me to live, I kind of learned quickly, like shit, I, I, I might have to peel off and do something else, you know, in order to, cause you're, you're in that weird zone when you're, when you're in your twenties, right. And you're trying to find your footing and right. you know, your parents are saying, Hey, what's the deal? You make a couple hundred dollars a month from Primo and Etnies, 
Right. And, uh, it's not going to cut it. Right. You know, right. you can't stay on our insurance forever. There you go. Yeah, right. So, you know, I think I, I had moved out to California and I was trying to make a go of it and I was shooting photos all the time, still riding, you know, another turn down, whatever, this or that, you know, sure. and you're kind of mailing it in at the time because you're, you're just trying to hang on and you're trying to still right. live this dream that you've been a part of for 20 some odd years. And, but you're, you're also having life realities come at you quicker than ever. So Did, were you in California while you're, yeah. while you were with working with, working with T1? Yeah. They were and, in Texas and at they that were point? in Texas. Yeah. And I'd okay. already stayed with them for a winter and, yeah. you know, and then, um, we were still on great terms, but I had broken my foot and, uh, you know, like you said, insurance came up, surgery yeah. came up and, uh, yeah, those guys had gone through numerous surgeries and injuries already so they were very they were very calm and kind of like hey relax this is how you get through it blah 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 mm -hmm. but i was kind of manic i felt like the world was ending and i was hurt mm -hmm. and i was very emotional so um being in california i was near companies right and then uh you know i crossed paths with with moeller and then he was you know he saw my situation and he was like wow you know you have a lot of ambition and a lot of an eye for talent and an eye for what's good um, not just then, but for yeah, years right. between racing, because obviously you yeah, knew you through racing too. Tons of history too. with the guy, yeah. Yeah, and trails and totally. so on. So it was like, all right, you know, he runs an operation where he offered me to an opportunity to come in on a brand. I would do the front end, he would do the back end, the rest would be history, you know. Mm -hmm. So I asked for Joe and Taj's blessing. At that point, they were probably relieved that, you know, so they didn't have the pressure of me constantly asking how we were going to grow T1, you know, right, they were probably right. like, yeah, no, go, right, you know, right. go for it, you know, yeah. stop reinventing our product. There it's you fine. Go. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> you know, I like, we like it the way it is, you know, right. Right. And then, uh, I hit the ground running with fit. Uh, originally it was supposed to be a grassroots brand with three team riders. Yeah. And then once people found out I was doing it and it was fucking cool, we had riders like Brian Foster quitting Schwinn, Van Homan, Edwin De La Rosa, Mike Aiken, you know, we had the, the best riders in the world yeah. all come together to, to create this moment in time where it was fucking awesome. And it was like such an awesome brand and yeah. so strong and so full of piss and vinegar to do things our way. And um, it was good. And, you know, it lasted 10 years. I had a good run. 10 years? Yeah, 10 years for me. Yeah. Wow. I didn't realize it was 10. Yeah. And I, uh, when I look back on it now, yeah, it's bittersweet. You know, but at the same time, I got a great education for it, and I don't, I don't carry a bunch of negativity. I just, I have my version of it, and they have theirs. Sure. And I think when you put your blood, sweat, and tears and effort into something, right. and it shows, because right. it's undeniable that that moment in time, that brand was fucking awesome. Right. It was an amazing brand. Yeah. That you can't deny that. Mm -hmm. Now, are the details of who owned what or this or that. Right. What the fuck? It doesn't matter at this how did point. It, how did it get there? Right, right. It got there through blood, sweat, and tears, you know? Sure, So sure. I, I pride myself on that, and I, and I look at it as an education, and I think that's why we were able to ramp Cult up so quickly is because I had already made a lot of mistakes with Fit and learned from it, and I knew the pitfalls and the, and the ins and outs of the bike industry, and it is a really really hard industry yeah to succeed in but on top of that you're building a resume because on the outside we all see it as whoa Robbie put help put t1 on the map 
definitely put fit on the map you know so you're building this resume so it must have made it a little easier to get into into a new deal yeah it, with cult which is which is a partnership is that right i mean it's uh it's my company and i gave some people some ownership because they wanted to help get it off the ground gotcha Basically, you know, when we realized it wasn't going to go anywhere with Fit and we were being kind of pushed out, sure. I, I kind of was like, are, we had already, you know, talk is talk, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, oh man, it'd be sick if we did it on our own, you sure. know? And be like, yeah, it's really fucking hard though. Yeah. So, you know, when I put the word out that, hey, I might be being pushed out of this brand, I'm, I'm interested in doing a new one, um, people, people were come, coming quickly and even from weird areas like Chris Cole offered his services you know he had just won the street league championship so he's like look man i don't know shit about bikes other than i like riding them and i like you guys but i can give you some money to help start it yeah and i right. said well shit man i'll give you a couple points on the back end right you know right i'm not a i'm not a, a I'm, little little interest on yeah, the investment and, exactly you know yeah and, and and it's been really it's been a good deal for him and then neil wood was coming over with me and it was like Damn man, that's pretty awesome. You're from, coming from the S and M side. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, he was the uh, he was the um, you know product manager over there, and I, I I was like, hey, you know, we built this thing. Right. Let's do it again. Right. He was up for it. I gave him some points because. Right. What a what a commitment. You yeah. Know? Right. And you know we didn't take paychecks the first couple of years. We we just we just found a way to make it work. And right. Uh, right. Through those combined efforts, and then the team riders that came, you know, you didn't. You didn't have to be asked. Like right. the dudes that came came voluntarily. You know, right. if you didn't get asked, it was because it wasn't an asking thing. I wasn't stealing riders, or I wasn't sure. doing anything like that. I was just doing my my new deal. And if people wanted to be down, they came along. You know, right. so what a rad right. thing that they the the commitment the riders made to this day blows my mind. You know, it's I can never repay them fully for it. You know, does that? Um was there friction because it was misunderstanding about totally. that? And I and I and I've apologized to the guys that I pissed off because I wasn't in the best emotional shape at the time. I was losing my baby, and I didn't. I may have not been emotionally available to some of those guys, you know, for even a conversation. Yeah. And I regret right. that, but right. we've crossed that bridge now. We've talked about it. Mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I would hope they get it. You know, it's pretty pretty rough time. Yeah. And you know what yeah. I was doing, there was no guarantee. I mean, we had a track record, like you said, yeah, but right. nothing's guaranteed, man. We were fucking uh, winging it. In my business, a lot of times, it's what have you done for me, or what are you going to do today? Totally. You know, yesterday's yesterday's history. What are you going I mean, to do even, now? Even to get the investment from from Chris Cole, mm -hmm. we had to go to I had to go to dinner with him and his wife, and his wife was a big part of the decision. Right. She was right. like, "Well, let me see what what." What do you mean? Well, I mean, you're dip, you're, yeah, yeah, they're dipping it. You're and dipping into their and savings. And he has two beautiful children and a, and a, right. and a family. Right. So he's taking a risk. So sure, it was all a risk. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And uh, yeah. but I did it with the intent of taking care of the keep people that take care of the brand. Right. But I never waver for that. So all the employees, all the riders, I just continually try to to honor their commitment to me and, and the brand. Right. And I just try to make it better each year. And I feel like we have every year we've done cooler things and like just grown together mm -hmm. and really it's been awesome. And uh, it's been hard, but, but I've really enjoyed it. You know, it's really satisfying to see it grow. Right. So every, well, it sounds to me that each step of the way from T1 to fit 
slash SNM to this, you gain a little more knowledge, just like we all do when you go from job to job or just from decade to decade in your life. You know, you learn, learn, learn a bit more. So it sounds like you, you got it pretty much nailed the way you want it right now. Yeah. Not saying it's easy because as we talked about earlier, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff that, that people don't realize that make business tough, you know, a lot of unseen to the public, yeah. uh, you know, challenges, but, but anyway, um, but yeah, you learned all that and, and got that together. So, so uh, as a, uh, as a guy that's always been, you know, a, a dirt guy yeah. you know, before I took some time, took the time off and then, mm. and then back in, um, I've, I've always been curious with businesses like yours as to like the transition. If you have to get it, don't worry about it. All right. Um, the transition, because clearly you transitioned from T1. Well, actually, let's say your last sponsor before T1 <coughs> would have been, was s and Was it? Uh, I wrote for s for a quick year there. Then Double uh, A, though. Who were you on for Double yeah, A? Oh, um, DK was a big part of it. Okay. Yeah. So it was, yeah. So you go from racing and trails to T1, yeah. which is now we're talking more, uh, I guess we'll say ramp. Yeah, you yeah, know, it's all around. Street. Yeah, definitely. And eventually, it sounds like each each brand put you further into a different discipline yeah. of BMX. Totally. So now with Colt, yeah. although we could talk about this after, you, you're doing some with BMX race frames now with Neil's yeah. with Neil's uh, expertise. Um, <coughs> You've transitioned to like a completely different discipline. Mm-hmm. So, how did that happen? Yeah, I think with Colt, we were just uh, we wanted to continue to make a well-rounded brand, you know, and 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 not being a part of racing in any form isn't isn't something I I envisioned. I knew we would. I'm not going to do like I'm not going to run the brand if I can't ride my bike anymore. That's one rule. Right. The second rule is I'm not going to get into a genre of BMX until we have a guy. So we don't do flatland because I don't have a guy. But when I, Jimmy Priest, a friend, old friend of mine, he's BMX. Yeah, he was on yeah. SNM, right? Yep, BMX Plus yep. Test Force. Tester, yeah, yeah. He kind of came back into racing and hit me up and said, hey, man, you know, I got my kids. Go out to the races. It's fun again. You got to come check it out. Yeah. And I resisted. I was like, nah, nah, you know, right. <laughs> I don't do that anymore, you know. Right. Went out one Sunday to Orange Y, had a blast, and was like, oh, that's right. And How long ago was this? This was, like, probably three years ago. Okay. And I was just, you know, not fully back into racing, but, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I remembered everything. Everything you and loved about exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, all right. And then Jimmy's like, well, I need a bike. You know, and I was like, all right, we make bikes. We'll make you bike. Then as time went on, I discovered Vic, Vic Bem. Right. And I'm like, we got a dude. Because Neil didn't want to be the dude anymore. No. He rides a lot more mountain bikes now. Oh, does he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like, I ain't going back out there. I well, said, I said well, Plus I'll, all that hard riding, his body's got to be hurt. Yeah. You know, it's, I uh, said, well, I'll I'll take some hot laps and try and find a dude. Right. Stumbled upon Vic, who's just a phenomenal. Multi-discipline. Right. Just as good at freestyle as he is racing. Right. And just a character all around. Yeah. So I was like, that's cult. Let's yeah. fucking do this. And so we made a, a you know small batch of race frames. They're selling okay. It's for it's for the rider who wants a chromoly race frame, and they still kind of you know 
don't want a carbon fiber, you know, $3,000 aluminum, 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 aluminum bike, you know. Yeah, right. And, so I uh, just, <laughs> whoops, sorry, everyone, I hate aluminum and carbon. <laughs> I just let the cat out of the bag on that one. Yes. But so, anyway. yeah, it's traditional and, right, it's, right. and it's cool. And I think it gets back to what we used to do. Yeah, we might go to a race. We, we went to the Vegas race. I rode a bunch of skate parks yeah. and took a few hot laps around the track. Mm-hmm. Had, a, had a blast, man. Yeah. Watched Jimmy's kids race. They made the mains. It was great. You know, Priest Racing did well. Everything, you know, it's all yeah. making sense. And uh, I, I I hear you for a brand to just kind of go go into that is weird. But but I think, you know, it's BMX. And, and for me, that's every aspect of riding your BMX bike. Mm-hmm. Whether it's dirt, street, ramp, park, racing, whatever it is. It's all fun. And and I don't think we should slice it up as much as it is, it is now. I, I do think it gets overanalyzed. Yeah. I, I get a little a, a little bent when people say, "Oh, you know, why do you call it BMX mm-hmm. when it's that's not BMX? That's that's street and BMX is bicycle motorcycle." Yeah. Now you know what? It's always been called a BMX bike. It's a twenty-inch wheel man BMX bike. That part it, that part gets a little old for me. Because, and if you want to talk about street for me, yeah, I mean, when I was riding street in the Malali days, sure. And they had street jams. Yep. Street riding was about destroying shit right. and being mischievous. And I mean... I just finished the interview okay. with those guys. So, so they're guys. telling the truth. I saw Casio. King of New York. I saw Casio. Yep. Full speed, bunny hop, onto the hood of a, a, a cab and do a fucking tabletop off the windshield. Okay? A tabletop off the windshield. <laughs> yeah. All right? I was like 16. Yeah. I I might have shit myself. And I was like, this is the best shit ever. Yeah. So here I am, this, you know, kind of corny racer dude taking the train from Long Island into Manhattan. Right. Going on these street rides with all these fucking lunatics. Yeah. And they're opening cab doors while we're going down the street and stealing Chinese food from a guy on the bike and just being proper rogues, you know? And uh, that was street riding. So ironically, I go on that dig street jam last year in new york yeah and i'm throwing bags of trash out into the street into the riders and opening doors and they're almost hitting and these kids are like hey what are you fucking doing this crazy fat (laughs) dude's like wrecking shit and i'm like i thought we were street riding like so yeah it's we are yeah it's come 110 percent uh different i'm you know i'm so glad you brought that up because uh, you obviously went to Malala a lot more than I did, but I went in the in the late eighties, early nineties, yeah. whenever it was, and it was during one of those contests, and it was talked about in the last interview mm. that I just posted with Malala because it's their thirtieth anniversary. Totally. But so many of us did that. We we went to Malala or yeah. or the banks or whatever it was. Went to these different places. You know, Connecticut Bike Exchange yeah. had had escaped one of the first indoor totally. skate parks in the East Coast and a starting gate, right? It was yeah. so weird. Oh, well, that was all savage. He yeah. had to practice his gates for <laughs> the savage snap, the other the savage, savage snap, snap. Yeah. not just the not, not just, just the, the look yeah, back. The, yeah. He had to get the other yeah. savage snap down. But anyway, uh, so I'm really glad you said that yeah. because that connects the dots for people that don't realize totally. this isn't like a new thing, and you're yeah. hopping on some no, some no. street train no, or freestyle train. I mean, literally, yeah. we were on Long Island, and we just we heard that there were ramps. So, like when I say the bike actually became a way of getting to the next town mm-hmm. and and searching, it really was. So we found a way to, you know, I had a '64 Impala. I put six kids in it. 
bikes hanging out the back. Right. We found the directions. There are no cell phones. This is, you know, we found well, wait a way. minute. Nina, Nina ah, said you yeah. had the first cell phone. I, I, see, that's the thing, too. <laughs> so so this works hand-in-hand hand with, the, with the conversation, unbelievably. Okay. When we're going into their, their ramps, yeah, yeah. they're not that psyched. They're like, who are these suburban white kids coming in here thinking they're hot, doing these tabletops and shit? Right. You know, slow your roll a little bit. Right, right. You know, I mean, there's a kid doing air on a mini ramp and he crashed and an eight-inch buck knife fell out of his pocket. You know, we're little suburban kids. Yeah, we're like, what yeah, the yeah. fuck? So right. we're in the belly of the beast as far as like sure. the Bronx in, you know, the early 90s, late 80s. You know, right. it's intense. Every yeah. time we went, somebody's car got broken into, you know, it was always really intense. Yeah. But we gained their respect because we kept coming or we kept showing love or whatever it was that Papa Lou finally gave us his blessing, you know, but mm -hmm. he had a rule. You had to leave before dark. <laughs> so being an eager kid, one time me and the squad stayed till after the dark, after dark. And he said, Hey, good luck on the drive home. I didn't understand that. When we made a left out of Mulally, we looked down the street and there had to be about 30 dudes just walking down the street at night, like ready to fucking rob, steal and pillage, you know? So he was like, listen, run every light, get to the FDR drive, don't fucking stop. And, uh, yeah, we made it home somehow. Oh, my God. But, I mean, those were the days where I would tell my mom, she thought I'd be going to Patchogue. <laughs> I'd drive to Pittsburgh for the push jam or something. She thought you were going to meet up with Vinny G to go ride to... <laughs> Port Washington. <laughs> right. I'm six hours, you know, in Pennsylvania. Right. And then ride all day and then drive back at home at two in the morning they don't even know cool Gina, i had no idea what you're up to you know what i mean <laughs> and it's classic because that's how awesome bmx was we just it's it we just oh, man. didn't take no for an answer and we just went for it and right, that's right those are the days that i'm i'm really proud of and and, and yeah. that we got to live it and we're very yeah. lucky to have that and and you know i and then on top of all of that i knew when we would go these places people would be looking at us so i was quick on you know what looked good and you know fashion wise and mm -hmm. you know i was early on the cell phone and and you know i had to be on top of that shit because we were going to go all these places and people right. were going to be looking at us you know what i mean so i never wanted to be caught slipping i always wanted to have yeah. you know a nice whip and a good outfit you know nothing extravagant because we didn't have much right. money but right. you did the best with what you had you know what i mean and, and uh those were good times you know yeah but look what happened because of it you were marketing yourself, mm. so you were getting sponsors that were the biggest sponsors our area had ever seen. It's funny, when I lived, I lived in Russ Barone's side apartment at his parents' house, in his house, in Patchogue. Oh, you did? Uh, yeah, and uh, it was a side entrance. So I had my own entrance. It was cool. It was, I, and it was right on the beach in Patchogue. It was beautiful. Such a beautiful place. Yeah, yeah. Rent was like 500 bucks. It was so nice they let me do that for a year. Right. So I think I was on, yeah, it was T1, Fox, Primo, Etnies, you sure. know. Russ thought I was a millionaire. He thought these boxes were coming to free stuff. He was like, this Robbie guy's living the life, you know? And I was probably making 700, 800 bucks a month. But, you know, I had 500 for rent, 300 to live on. Which isn't as, anything, as we all right? know. That's... Oh, but I, I was selling the free half the free gear I got, and I was right. finding a way to get it done and, and looking good while you were doing it. So it made, right. it, made it look bigger than it was. And, right. and that's that's part of living the dream you know you can't you can't just always be down on it and pissed at bmx because it doesn't give enough back to you right it really doesn't owe you shit right it's up to you what you put into the game the game will give back right and i try to instill that in the riders 
some guys get it, some don't. Right. You know, it, it's tough. A lot of guys think they know a little bit better, uh, and they different generation. Totally, it's hard to teach that yeah. because their parents aren't doing a well. I, I don't want to pick up the parents. Some of the parents just aren't doing a good job teaching it to them. So it's you know, I agree, and it's and it's tough because you have to you have to understand that it it, it doesn't owe you shit. Right, it's just a thing yeah. that you it's what you make of it. You know, right. and I've always tried to make the best of it, and and that's why I still enjoy it to this day. Sure. I'm not burned out whatsoever. Yeah, right. last few years in business, hard as hell, hardest years ever, but. Yeah. As long as I can get on my bike and the wind in my face, and even even to talk about my riding today, people will be like, "Oh, do you ride?" I ride as much as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, is it at the level I want? No, because I'm older and it's harder. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but I like riding skate parks, pump tracks. I'll ride anything still. Right. You know, right. I still ride some trails. It depends. You know what I mean? Uh, sure. Yeah, I'm the same. Man. You know, I'm just choosy about it. Because, yeah. You know, you don't you don't want to have to heal. Totally, you know, and I think, and I think where where the guys, you know, primarily on the East Coast have pushed it, you know, and mm-hmm. PA is amazing. Oh. You know, the fact that it got two feet bigger and two feet higher every year since, you know, it started. Yeah, it's um, that's twenty years of progression. Think about that. That's like yeah. unbelievable. You know, and those those days, you know, when you're at posh and you're you're jumping these big jumps and you're like, man, this is. It doesn't get any better than this. Yeah. The fact that they kept pushing it, mm-hmm. and then Caddy came along, and they kept pushing it, and then you know, I mean, and then the whole Pittsburgh scene, and they oh, pushed it. You gosh, know, yeah. it, it grew leaps and bounds. You know, and then Long Island had all its spots, and then Connecticut had all its spots, yeah. and Massachusetts had all its spots, yeah. and you know, I mean, and I hope these guys that you know, I'm being very broad, mm-hmm. but I hope you know if you're listening and you were a part of this era and you had anything to do with the scene. You know, mm-hmm. know that I that I respect you guys and that I'm 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 thankful that we all got to live that you know, that era. Mm-hmm. You know, if in shit the '90s, that was, you know, yeah. And then it's funny watching it now. If you look at skate, all the '90s stuff is popular again. Yeah. Not really in BMX yet, but it's coming. I mean, look at the event we're at. We're at the Swamp Fest. I mean, this is right. This is as '90s as it it's, gets. It's it's almost back to the the first ghetto jams of there you go. And back totally when it was. I don't know. I don't know if it was Rick Thorne or whoever. Just, just crazy California riders. And yeah. I think you were even in one where you were street riding and they were using yeah. a car. Yeah, yeah, totally. The whole one deal. of those what MTV was that? things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sports music festival. Right, yeah. right. So it's that's uh, that's that's good stuff. That's yeah. really good stuff. But and I think I think it's really interesting. It does feel like the '90s, just in general BMX right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm gonna be selling t-shirts at a tent all weekend and catching up with people and riding mm-hmm. and like just living the BMX lifestyle and not not make you know it's not the X Games you know what I mean yeah I've done that and yeah I'll still go to it and support my riders that are in it or whatever sure. but that's not why we do it right. you know what I mean we do it for right. events like this and we do it for you know the love and the passion of it and it's like it's I don't want it to get away from that, and and if and if I feel like it's it's getting away from that for whatever reason, I'm gonna fight to keep it this way, you know. And I think there's mm-hmm. enough like-minded people that we can keep it somewhat preserved, you know. I don't I don't like seeing bitter bitter riders. That, that no. always bums me out, you know. Like because especially for how hard it was for us. I mean, think about it, man. When you talk about the history and the progression of it, right. think about living in a place where there were no ramps. There were mm-hmm. no trails, so we had to do it ourselves. So right. I can understand if those guys are a little bitter, but even at that, look what you accomplished, man. You right. pioneered a whole genre 
and you know dare I call it a sport or whatever right but you, you right we built it you know you know what I mean and and that's that's what's uh it's got to mean you know it's got to count for something it can't just all be like oh man I didn't get the you know free pair of shoes when I should have you know yeah that that part is really hurting right now yeah. I, I think I the sooner sooner people get off of that and go back to the pure love of it I think the, the better we'll be off yeah it's yeah. just there's too there's too many like we were talking about before the the bro deals the everyone wants something for nothing you know kind of thing and it's it just you know what BMX can't make money BMX is not going to yeah. get anywhere totally so we can be a successful sport if everyone's getting something for nothing yeah. you know it it's and, everyone's and, everyone's got to make a living yeah you know and that's the thing you know when you're running a brand it's it's a it's a it's a fine line you're walking right like you want people yeah. to be a part of what you're doing and buy into what you're you're selling per se but that's not that's not why we do it i'm trying to create a platform that you tap into you feel good about it if you buy a cult product you're buying more than a product man you're buying a part of bmx that is like really kind of pure and kind of like really down for it mm -hmm. and and if i see you we're going to have that connection and if you see a cult team rider you're going to have that connection and it's right. going to feel like a brother immediately it's not going to be awkward because right. we're not awkward dudes right i mean you, you you're talking about dakota rose chase hawk chase dehart you know you're talking yeah. about these guys that are like they're they're the most stylish dudes in the game yeah. you know so yeah obviously they're doing it right you know, not to mm -hmm. patronize them, but sure. And then that's how I grew up. You know, when I went to Woodward camp as a camper, right. and I saw Mike Miranda and Greg Grubbs and you know Joe Bombert and James Ascente and these guys, uh -huh. and they were the best dressed, coolest looking, most stylish dudes. I wanted to be like them. Right. Mike Miranda sold me an eight-inch brake lever, <laughs> a fucking motorcycle clutch lever that I thought you needed because he had a big brake lever too. <laughs> Did I need that brake lever? No, but. I, um, I took his word for it. It was right, cool. Right. You know? And, right. and I'm not bitter. I'm, I wish I still had that brake lever. Right. You right. know? So that's what I mean. I think riders need to understand, like, man, there is there is something going on here. Right. Where, yeah, man, we're trying to create a brand that you're you're a part of. Not, not and, and we want to be a part of what the riders are doing, too. It, mm -hmm. It's not, I think, I, what I'm, when I say those guys are stylish and you want to be like them, I just yeah. mean, like, in, like, influence in some realm sure. you know what I mean I want you to be your own self and an individual and do it your way but realize that these guys have done it a really cool way yeah. you know what I mean and I've right. seen these guys do shit on bikes that have like blown my mind and right. that's why I work so hard for them you know what I mean right. and and I want I want more riders to see that so if you're supporting cult that just helps us do more shit we can come to your town we can travel we can do these things right. nobody's getting rich quick this is a hard hard industry yeah. and, and, and I'm not here to you know beat a dead horse or say woe is me I, i'm more saying like shit is hard so let's let's enjoy it together yeah, i you know? i think it was more me saying that because yeah. i look at things sometimes from the business perspective you you you're hitting on the right point i just happened to talk about the mm. the expense end and yeah. you know you know bmx needs needs people to not only ride but we need to support the companies that support the sport that's all Support the riders, that, and I like what you're saying. Support the right companies, man. If if yeah. there's a company and they don't pay their team riders and they don't support jams like this, and, you know, you know what I mean. I I I help sponsor Swamp Fest. I mm -hmm. flew a few riders in. I paid for some gas for some dudes. Yeah. I'm not I'm not asking for a medal. I'm just saying, yeah. hey man, we're we're all in here. 
Right. And we're and we should be in it together. Right. So if you're going to go spend your money on some company that doesn't pay riders, doesn't support the scene, I, I can't I can't get down with you, man. Yep. And if I see you in the streets with one of those companies' bikes, yeah, I'm I'm going to roast you, or I'm gonna I'm I'm not going to fuck with you because right. that's that's not how it works, man. You got You right. got to support these companies that are putting in. And it's not hard to see. You'll you'll see them. You know. You know, I I just did the Ronnie Bonner interview yeah. before this, and he, you and him are definitely like minds, because we were talking about exactly that, putting back in what you take, you know, in in making sure that you give back to the sport. Yeah. And obviously, he does that with his riders, and totally. and you do the same. So, you know, that's that's pretty important for people to understand. But you know, and it, look and look at Ronnie too. My relationship with him, I rode for UGP in the '90s. You know. Yeah. And then, obviously, whatever ran its course. Right. We're still friends. And to this day in business, I, I get Colt products manufactured at his, at his manufacturing company overseas, you know? He, he, he came to me and said, hey, you know, would you like to make your shit at Rocksteady? It's, it's dialed. Trust me. Look at my products, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. Right. I mean, he didn't, he didn't have to do that, you know? And, right. And that's, like you said, that's two like-minded people working together right and trying to do things right and then even look at the tray situation you know yeah that i want to talk about that a little just in the sense that like that proves it's family and it's a bigger thing mm-hmm. because trey's 27 now uh-huh. he's gonna get married soon he needs a future he needs a job in bmx he's always going to be here because it's in it's in his blood right he came to me and said hey i think i can i live in florida sparky's is in florida I think I can be a bigger part of his operation than I can with Colt because Colt's in California. And if I moved to California, I could do it, but I'm not going to move. So right. I was like, yeah. Not going to leave the family. Right. Work more at Sparky's. Work more on, you know, being a part of Ronnie's crew. Right. I'm all about it. It wasn't even an ugly thing. Yeah. It was like, yeah, man, that makes sense. And because I know Ronnie will take care of him great. I've done my best with him till now. You know sure. what I mean? When we first started sponsoring Trey, he was like a little fucking phenom that yeah. not a lot of people like because he was so good yeah but i saw the talent and how much he loved bmx in him and i and i stuck my neck out for him and i said no you people don't know this is the dude right. you'll fucking you'll see no no he's a little park rat you know i mean this is when he was doing flares sure, and, sure. you know people were like oh no he's you know whatever and then now look i mean that dude and look today that's what i'm saying like he's giving back he's giving back like crazy so he's the real deal yeah. You know what I mean? And second I, and year, to second the year point row, where right? there was no awkwardness with him moving on. You well, know? you'll be happy to hear, this is like playing a dating game or something. <laughs> um, Ronnie said, and everyone will hear this that listens to both interviews, Ronnie said the same thing yeah. about you. Nah, that's because, awesome. And it was about in reference to Trey. Rad. Same exact thing, yeah. and obviously it's not like you guys mm. said, "Hey, what did he ask you?" Yeah, sure, I haven't you know? talked to him yet. <laughs> right? Yeah, just, just give me a little Get hint. the story straight. Right, right. So we can match. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Anyway, on the serious side, he said the exact same thing. So no, and I think you know, that, that those are the times perfect. where I get frustrated where people don't have the real story mm. and they just assumed it was negative. Everyone goes to the negative. It's easier to do that. Uh, oh, go to the negative. It's like it happens all the time. It's like why? Why go to right. the negative, man? There's a real story behind that. Because there, it's easier to yeah. complain than figure out a solution. Exactly, man. You know, you want to be part of the problem or part of the solution. That's go. what I always yeah. say, and it's a worn out statement on this podcast. No, but I, but I think I'm, it's an East Coast thing, man. I think, I think growing up with hardworking parents from the East Coast, you're, mm-hmm. it's just a different breed. That that's that's for me. People want to be oh, like me too. You know, yeah. that that's why I'm 
I'm saying for sure with you. And and, and that's the thing. I think we started working mm-hmm. in our teen years. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, hell yeah. You know, so if somebody says to me like, oh, you know, running a business, how did you know? It's like, listen, I've been hustling in some type of way since I was 12 years old. You know you know what I mean? And, right. And, and the first hustle might have been working with my dad and understanding that, oh, if I work for this many hours, I get to ride my bike for this many hours. So that was the hustle. Yep. Put in some hours with my dad so I could get over here and ride my bike some more, even with school. That's why I get bummed out with kids with school today. It's not even that hard to figure out, man. Yeah. Listen, if your parents want you to do okay in school and they're dangling that carrot in front of your head, just find a way, man. I can remember pushing a kid's head out the window in the bus. Give me the math homework or I'll throw you out this fucking bus. I needed that math homework so I could go ride on the weekend. You, you know? sure you didn't grow up in Pittsburgh? No, that's the thing. Because you sound just yeah. like Ground Chuck. That's the same thing. So, you know what I mean? We're all cut from the same cloth in that yeah, way. Yeah. And that's, that's, I right. just want kids to, to understand that instead of being like, I fucking hate school or I hate this or this is hard. Right. It's like, yeah, man, it's all hard. Right. The idea is to figure out how to just get around it to get to the next session. Then you're happy. Yeah. Then you're on your bike. You're right. riding your bike. You don't, who gives a fuck? You yeah. know? So that's what I'm trying to like kind of bring back a little. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I can't lie. It's falling on some deaf ears. There's some kids that go, man, you don't know what you're talking about. You're old and whatever. Right. But I, right. I got to think that it's still the same. It, it can't have changed that much. You know what I mean? And it could be like you, where you don't maybe understand it with T1, but you mm-hmm. understood more when you went to fit. Totally. And then when you went to Colt. So they may, may not get it with you. Yeah, but maybe the, the next They'll get it with one. the next yeah. guy. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's the challenge, just being patient, I think. Same thing with employees. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, you hope they get it. If you don't, if they don't get it with you, they're going to figure it out with the next one. And, and to put a disclaimer out, too, is like, yeah, I understand everybody has their version of the past, you know? Sure. That this is just mine. And this just is what I believe in my heart to be true. Mm-hmm. If it if if somebody feels differently, okay, that's fine. You know what I mean. But but this is you know this is just my experiences. You know what I mean. And I'm not saying they're better than anybody else's. I'm just saying like it's just my take on it. You know, because I've I've talked to people that lived through like you know even the Joe thing. He's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I read those letters. Now I should have just known this is where your aspirations, where you're going. It was just foreshadowing. Right. You know, but I didn't. Back then, yeah, you know, couldn't see it. You know, now we can see it. You know right. what I mean? And and, right. uh, and even me, I can admit my shortcomings. Like I said, a lot of times I wasn't emotionally available for a lot of situations just because I was working through something personally, or it was different. Like you said, I felt I was being attacked or whatever it was. You know, shit, man. I had I had an article come out in Ride Magazine on Christmas Eve that said, you know, is Robbie Morales a pro? You know, this was post racing. You know. You can imagine that, man. That should that should no, suck. No, that would tear me up. Yeah, you know, and especially you know, and I mean, and even the, even the X Games thing where I did eat shit on TV. You know, I, I I don't I remember that being a little traumatic because, well, one I had eaten shit, you know, and broke my collarbone and got KO'd and right, stretchered right, off, right. and then I, I they dropped me off at the hospital. They put me in a, a, a sling and sent me home, and then a bird shit on me when I was walking back. So yeah, it was pretty pretty rough time, right? And then I'm sitting in my house, healing, mm-hmm. in my under, in my tidy whities and uh, you know, Bill Danishek from DK calls me and, and fires me from DK because he wanted me doing clinics instead of being at the X Games. So yeah, I mean, it wasn't always a fucking rose garden. There were really, really traumatic things would happen, but I, that's, it wasn't going to stop me. You know, right, I just knew, right. well, when my collarbone heals, I'm going to go back to riding bikes and right. maybe I'll ride a standard or whatever and. 
I'm just gonna have fun and I'm not gonna deal with all this stupid bullshit. I didn't like right. the X Games. I didn't. I didn't like having to do 32 nationals a year. That burned me out too. Oh, you know God. what I mean? And, yeah. But guys like Robbie Miranda were built for it. He was eating whole lemons and shit. It was <laughs> bizarre, man. I've never. And even when I stayed with John Purse, that dude was a maniac. He was training. Yeah. He was. It was insane, man. Yeah. He was attaching a stabilizer bar from the hole in his fork to the bottom of his stem because he didn't want to get head shake when he went through the rhythm section. Yeah, man, I'm talking crazy. <laughs> I'm talking like, you know. Oh, my God. I'm talking 2 a.m. Hey, Robbie, oh. they're calling you fat ass right now. Let's go do sprints. And to, when try, I, to try to motivate you. Totally. I'm oh, like, man. I'm like, man, I want a bowl of cereal. What? I don't want to go do sprints at 2 a.m. You're crazy. You can do them until you puke. Dude, and I mean... Oh you know, those, God. I've been through some wild times, you know, and I, I, I think, you, I, know. you know, I think <laughs> because you have done such a, such a good job at, at kind of, um, hey, it's back to the protecting mm. yourself thing, you know, people don't hear the, the tough side, yeah. you know, and, and, and I'm sure it's mostly because, you know, you're not about to go, you know, cry a river for yeah. someone because you don't need that sympathy but I I want some of this heard because it's I want all of it heard but I want some of this heard because it's it's real and it's kind of like the whole Instagram thing everyone puts on there what oh, they yeah. want people to see or any social media yeah I'm gonna show you the best side of me totally all the time best the food best side of me everything's yeah. the the best of everything well you know what that's not life yeah that's not no, life totally. at all and I think the people that we grew up with that were kind of navigating it at the same time, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. and and then they were talented in their own right and maybe never got some of the opportunities that they deserved, sure. you know, like a Ted Nelson or he was the most talented graphic artist. I didn't even know you could be a graphic artist, you know, he's the most talented dude I ever met or, you know. Yeah. Base Brooklyn should be the should be as big as Supreme in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I really believe that in my heart, and I you know right. for whatever happened, things pan out the way sure. they pan out, and, and sure you know. But if I see Enos or Ted today, it's fucking really fun. Yeah, and we we we, yeah. we chop it up and we laugh about right the times we lived, and it is the way know, thing, things yeah. pan out, and sometimes things don't line yeah. up. Sometimes things are a little out of your control. Totally, you know. So it's it's you know it's. It's not always someone's own doing, but I, I think uh, I think a lot of it you can drive yourself. Yeah. You know, you. So you know, no offense to any of those guys um, at all. Ted and Enos are amazing people, but you know, with your situation, you've you've stuck through it over and over and over. <laughs> yeah. You know, and just found a way, found a way, <laughs> found a way. So. Cockroach, you can't kill me, right? Yeah, now. that's right. No, but I think I think too is like that's that if anybody gets anything from this that would be it like i mm -hmm. every time it got shitty i went back to the bike in the sense of like mm -hmm. and what the the amount i enjoyed just riding right and i would keep it in that parameter yeah man to have to have a someone dish you or get made fun of or and particularly too through these genres that like they're dudes that came kind of came at me hot and were like really anti yeah but they didn't have any staying power they're not even in bmx anymore Right. So I never gave a shit because I knew they weren't going to stick around. And right. that's the thing. For kids that are coming up in the riding game now, they just need to understand that. If they continue to do them to be themselves right. and to do it for the love, the right. rest really will fall into place. I mean, if I, you know, even having 
to reconnect with Magoo being here at Swamp Fest, you know? Yeah. Magoo's one of the first guys that kind of put me on, like, to, to being sponsored and, you know, and helped me. And then, you know, even on the Univega deal. So that's a funny deal, right? So after I win that, that grand you're talking about. Yeah. When you were on standard yeah. at yep, the time. Yeah, I think, and, and but didn't really have much going. Right. And then uh, I get the... Uh, Magoo says, hey, listen, I got this crazy mountain bike company. They want to pay you good money. And right. you and Luan Cunningham. Right. Don't even ask me about the bikes. The bikes are going to... They're junk. <laughs> don't even ask about anything. Just take this check. Right. Sleep on Brian Foster's floor at the races. Pack your, pack your sack lunch. Right. And you're going to make some good money. Yep. And I was like... Nah, man, you don't know. I'm, I'm standards way cooler, you know. So then I show my mom the contract. I live at home at the time, and she's like, "If you don't sign this contract, I'm kicking you out of the house." <laughs> so back then it was 28 grand, all in, oh, you know, man. for so the I, year. Yeah, for the year. That so I made just... that money, put it in the bank, and that's how I bought my first house. Yeah. So I owe Magoo for ever even teaching me those lessons. Right. And I think the main lesson he taught me is, they don't take yourself so fucking serious, guy. This is just BMX bikes. Yeah. And it could be over right. as quick as it started. So yeah. it's what you make of it. God. And that's, I've taken those lessons and learned my chops from guys like Magoo and, you know, on the race side, you know, Mike Miranda, Eric Carter, Clay Goldsmith, these guys, yeah. I've learned my chops from those guys. And that's how I've been able to kind of just keep navigating it and keep kind of, you know, kind of dodging the ups and downs of it. And, sure. and Moliterno too, and Moeller as well, you know, I mean. Yeah. You know, I think I think Moeller was uh, uh, probably a, even an entrepreneur earlier than anybody even knows. You know, I mean, he was the guy that was, you know, taking the leftover donuts from high school and reselling them. At, you know, he was early on. Right, you right. know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. his his vision of being a businessman was very early. You know, sure. Um, I think Malaterno's was um, kind of kind of a, a big fish in a small pond in Iowa. Right. You know, I remember there were kids that were like, you know, can I take out the trash, Rick? It's like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, yeah right. So right. you can imagine, you know. Yeah. So, you know, kind of being lived through all these kind of uh, situations and genres and, and kind of time. Yeah. You know, I've learned, I've kind of taken that with me and I kind of apply it to what I'm doing today, you know. It seems like it's working. I'm not no, saying that's... life's perfect, but it sure seems like it's working. And, you know, talk about teams. You were on a lot of different teams. I mean, everything from... <laughs> Velocity, yeah, velocity, yeah. man. Right through to S and S. I remember Auburn, of course. And it was interesting how it would work. You know, you would you would be on the race circuit. Somebody would catch you'd catch their eye. You know, the velocity guy. He just approached me and my mom and was like, "Hey, I want to start a national team." You right. Know, oh, right. what is that? Well, yeah. a bunch of riders that go to all the nationals and yeah. we go for team trophy and this and that. And, Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, we'll do that. You know, and then this dude owns an island off the coast of Georgia and he's a gazillionaire. And the guys that own Velocity? Yeah. Just dumped the money into BMX for a couple of years and then bounced. Yeah, it was bizarre. Wow. You know, you can't even make this shit up. And it's like, those were awesome times, you know? Wow. And then, yeah, SNS Bike Shop. How cool was that, you know? Yeah, and, I remember that. Yeah. I always think of you racing at uh, ABA. Yeah. But, um, and then, uh, uh, what was the other one? I just had on tip my tongue. Um, Webco. Mm-hmm. What did you learn yeah. from being on Webco? I mean, you Webco were on a European was, team. Yeah, totally, and got to go to Holland and Slaghorn and go to European races and learn that whole culture and scene, and it was that was insane. You yeah. know, saw, you know, Wilco Groendahl yeah. roll through a set of cement doubles. You know, I'd never even, didn't even know you could do that. You know what I mean? And right. you're just being exposed to so much, and I, you know, 
again, I can't thank those people enough for giving me a chance, you know, and then, and a lot of times I wasn't, wasn't even remotely ready, you know, you're going to send me over with a bunch of well-seasoned double-A pros and I'd just been riding trails and eating cheeseburgers, you know, it was insane, <laughs> but I still went, you know, right. I think that's the other thing too I'd like to say is yeah. I never turned down an opportunity. If mm -hmm. I thought it was going to get me to another session and a new set of trails or a new set of, you know, a, a, a spot I wanted to ride, I always went. Even, I mean, I can remember going to Japan when a host family would invite you there. So you would fly to Japan, right. land at the airport, figure out how to get out of through customs, yeah. and there'd just be this Japanese family ready to put you up for a week. They didn't speak English. Right. So then you get to the house. Yeah. They think Robbie Miranda's coming. So there's pictures of him on the wall. They don't know if Robbie Morales has come. You know what I mean? And you're just with this weird family for a week. You know? So, you know? But but I, ro I rolled with the punches. Right. And I got invited four more times. Right. There were other pros who kicked and screamed that they wasn't cool enough or the meat right. wasn't cooked enough or this, right. I didn't like this. Right. I loved it all. Yeah. And I soaked it all in. Right. Getting invited to Japan when you're, you know, in your early 20s. That's awesome. You know, and then you're on the news in Japan, and then you're walking around, and people recognize you. And, and they're calling you Robbie Miranda. Yeah. Like, <laughs> There's the, all the chicks have skirts and knee-high socks on, and you're just like in heaven. It's insanity. It's like one know? big ACDC video. You're just so pumped, you know, and it's like, you just, it's. Those were the days, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, total Uncle Rico. I wish I could go back, you know? Yeah, I, you know, I didn't even realize the Japan part, but yeah. I guess my point was you've had uh, you've had some really good sponsors and you've had enough to you've had enough to know what the hell you're talking about. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. All right, let's just cut to the chase. Yeah. I mean, you definitely have had enough experience to know what the hell you're talking about. So, and I think that needs to be respected, just like just like Ronnie Bonner, you know. I like what you're saying though. It always you just know. feels like a surprise, right? They're like, "Oh, how did how did Colt how did Colt do it?" Or how did you know? Yeah. Everything seems like a surprise with me because, you know, I bet a lot of times painted as the underdog or whatever, you know. And I'm sure. okay with that position, but oh, yeah. you know, one thing one thing I, I'm just I'm not going to give it up because of what someone says, you know. And and I'm still super passionate about riding, and I mean all of it. I watch vlogs. I watch videos, I watch Instagram, I'm completely immersed in this in this culture 24-7. And I'm lucky enough to have a wife that's like, okay, you're a little weird, but it's your shit. <laughs> Sounds like, sure they're not with sisters or something? Yeah, it's insane, right? Yeah. They let you be, and that's how you know you got to keep her. Yeah, right. That's why I'm still married for right. four years with her, and I'm, I'm, I couldn't be happier. Yeah. And there's not a lot of drama, because she knows I'm going to come to Swamp Fest. Right. And she don't want to be here. Right. Because I've talked, I've dragged her to a few, but I, I dragged her to, to like gnarly ones. Yeah. So she was like, "Yeah, you can." I got it. That was a good move. Yeah. I don't want to do that again. Totally. Right. I, I get it. I know? really appreciate what you do for work, yeah. Robbie. That's what she said when you go. Yeah, the one I had her try and park in downtown LA for the X Games. You know. Oh. Geez. Yeah. Two hours later, she calls me. I'm going home. This is fucking stupid. I was like, "Okay, see you later." You know what I mean? Like. Got it. Yeah, so, yeah, she's wow. uh, she's a peach, you know. So uh, one bit of advice I'll give is never marry someone that does the same exact thing as you. I, I no, I learned that first time around. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Me too. It took it's me tough. twice, but I got to no, figure totally. it out. No, But honestly, let, let's let's be real. I think it's right. I think I had to go through the first one, much like you, to yeah. figure out right 
how to do it because right. nobody tells you. No. You know, fuck and there's, no one there's tells you right, anything. and there's different things, right? right? You can you can be in a relationship or you can be present in a relationship. Right. Right. And I try to be present now because my first go around, I wasn't. Yeah. I I had her working like a Jamaican housewife and me, just working, ten to twelve hours a day trying to build, you yeah. know, fit at the time. Yeah. Yeah. With no idea that oh hey wait this isn't normal you know and i think right once you come back down to earth and you go oh shit man i you were living my dream my bad you know what is your dream so that that's where i'm at now i'm yeah. about being more self-aware being more present and right. learning okay you have aspirations too man it ain't all about me let's do this together let's walk through this world together right and that's that's the biggest lesson i learned you know that's because same thing i my first wife you know she was a photographer at the skate park you know, hey, let's move to Cali. You can shoot more photos of BMX. Mm. I'm going to start a company or, you know, whatever yeah. it was. And before you know it, you know. And then that changes for her. Right. Cause and she then goes, you're doing yeah. too much. And she's going, why am I living your dream? I have my own. And it's like, oh, shit, my bad. Yeah, <laughs> you know? right, right, right. You don't see it at the time because you're so in it. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I, I've, I've been lucky. You know, Chris Cole's helped me, you know. Jamie Thomas has helped me, you know, with some advice and some tough times you know ian sure. morris Stu dawkins guys like that they still i still talk to them on a regular basis and they they kind of help me with you know just just how tough it can be and, and sure. how how more aware you have to be now because uh there's so many moving parts with the business and relationships that you have to be aware of them and uh, it gets tiring because you're constantly having to you know monitor all these different moving parts but in order to be successful that's what you have to do. You can't bitch about it because that's what you signed up for. So yeah, you know. Oh man, I could take a couple yeah. lessons from you then. It, it it's <laughs> one of those things. It's a fine line, man. Yeah. Uh, don't get me wrong. I bitch and moan a lot, but yeah. when I when I stop and look at it, I'm like, well, this is I fucking asked for this, and that's that's advice to other people when they say, you know, yeah. hey, I want to start a brand or right. I want to do what you do. Right. Go right ahead, bud. I'm right. not. And they, you know, because I've had a few close friends say, hey, if I start my brand, I don't want you to be mad at me. Right. And I said, look, bud, get in the jungle. This shit ain't easy. Right. The last thing I'm going to be is mad at you. Because right. it ain't, it's really hard. Right. So you're going to learn really quickly how hard it is. And it's going to weed you out. You know, you know what I mean? And you, yeah, and there's risk involved. So be be aware. You may lose every dime that you saved and Easily. sunk into this. Totally, man. You know, I'm yeah. sure I'm sure you had to pony up some money to oh, get yeah. this whole thing going. Yeah, you go all in and you just go. Scary. And, you know, and that's the thing. You know, I've been accused of like, you know, following skate too closely or it, that's not it. I just saw skateboarding. It could be motocross also. Those are just industries, industries that pay their riders and take care of their teams. So in my mind, that's all I ever wanted to do. Yeah, you know what I would counter that with though? And I, I, I've done the comparisons mm. be, with BMX it, racing versus freestyle. If anyone ever tried to throw that kind of criticism, they better look at the entire, all the manufacturers yeah. in freestyle, because ten to one, the the freestyle guys are outperforming, um, yeah, in their in their marketability totally. over over a BMX racer. Yeah, you could take the best BMX racer, Connor Fields. Yeah, can't hold a candle to Scotty Kramer. Totally, totally. And man. so you you can't pigeonhole yeah. you and say. You know, you're trying to do like skate yeah. or whatever it is. If that's the case, then you may as well tell every totally. every sponsor of a yeah. freestyle guy that they're 
you know, they're sellouts. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. It, we're it we're not. Sense. We're we're trying to be our own industry. Right. But in order to do that, we had, we we took some cues from skate. Sure. And and moto from all over. Oh yeah. Anything yeah, yeah. that would help. Right. And 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 you know, it hasn't always. It's been to a little bit of our detriment. And I've I've talked to Ronnie Bonner and, and Ian Morris about this as well. Mm-hmm. You know, skateboard deck. There's some margin there. Those yeah. things are cheap. Right. BMX bike ain't cheap. No. So here we are. I didn't know this myth that the shoe brands in skate, they're funding everything. So all these little garage brands that pop up, uh, they're low-key funded by a shoe brand. Or the pro riders make enough from the shoe brand to do fuck all with the board brand. BMX isn't like that. Right. The bike company takes the brunt, and then right. hopefully the rider can get a parts company, clothing, not even anymore. Yeah. Maybe a drink sponsor. You know, it's slim pickings lately. Yeah. So the bike companies that are doing it right are taking the brunt of travel budgets, salaries, all these things, you know, and that's the deal. Yeah. I was trying to do that as well as I could. I was trying to pay the riders as most as I could. I completely overpaid the riders in the beginning with Colt. I didn't take a paycheck, but I paid those guys. Right. Because they were they were the ones out there risking it. So I was like, well, I'm just going to work my ass off on the back end. Hopefully that that makes sense, and one day it'll work out. You sure. Know? And luckily it has. And they and they've taken the the ride with me. You know. Yeah. And and that's. I only talk to brands that are that are about that. You right. know. And then when right. times get tough and you see these egregious pay cuts and all mm-hmm. this gloom and doom and everybody gets bummed. You're not going to see that with us because that's the last department I'm going to cut from. Right. I'm going to try and cut everything else. You know, and then when you talk about these brands and they have, you know, 30 employees, you know. Right. There's there's four or five at Colt. Yeah. You know, we run it really lean and everybody wears a lot of hats. But we do that so we can pay our riders the most possible. Right. And, and just do the most we can. You know what I mean? Um, that's amazing for such a big brand. So you, you guys obviously hustle. There's, it's it's there's a no lot of work, you, you know. I think and I think it's overwhelming when you're dealing with complete bikes, and then you're trying to give riders signature frames as well, which is tough because frames don't sell as good as they do. But right. you know, a lot of times they come up with awesome colorways that are cool, so you you want to do it. You know, you don't. Right. You want know I mean? to say no, AK. We don't want to do your weird colorway because we think. Of, the market's not ready for it. Fuck that. Right. You, you tell us what you want, Alex. We'll fucking cook that shit up. Yeah. And look how crazy it is. He yeah. says, well, I drink this drink that's pink on top and blue on the bottom. Can you make this? And then we go ahead and do it, and it comes out amazing. You yeah. know? So it's like... Right. All that's organic, and that's that's the fun part, you know, is when you can... You know, we got a few, a few new ones coming out for some guys that are like... Yeah. They're just stoked, you know? And, and that's a big deal. Getting a colorway and... Being a part of a brand and, and it's it's you know I remember I mean I was so stoked you know when those first Trail Boss frames came out or whatever and you know I, things like that those were that means a lot and I know how much it means to the guys and I try to instill it. And, oh heck it! You know the, I, the impact that that a frame like that had was huge, absolutely was huge. Days, so. Man. Hopefully it was. Yeah. Hopefully it was worth the ball busting you had to yeah. endure, because yeah. because a lot of people had those frames and they're still out yeah. there. And um, I don't know, does he even still make them at all? I think so. I think Jamie Bestwick was riding one recently. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, right. right. Yeah. But it's 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 good stuff. I don't, yeah. I don't want to beat the business thing to death. No, I mean, totally. I, yeah. I think you you definitely nailed it. You nailed it a hundred percent. But I think. I think BMX freestyle is in a good place, and yeah. I could totally see why. 
you know, there's no yeah. doubt I can see why. But um, I'll throw you some questions when you're ready. Yeah, yeah, hit me quick. Um, what do we got? Yeah, let's see. All right, let's start with. Uh, okay, Seth Medeiros. He's um, a I digger. Don't know what you mean by? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Siri. <laughs> you don't know what I mean by yeah. Seth Medeiros, the <laughs> guy that digs with Cody Diggs. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he wants to uh, ask. He had, he, he had me ask Ronnie the same question, which is a great question. Who is the best rider to watch currently not riding for your brand? Uh, I don't I don't care. Past or present, Mike Aiken was, was hands down the best. I'll never, I'll never, you know, that'll never change. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Um, From what I've seen, obviously, I didn't get to witness this yeah. during the time I was out, but what I've watched on videos is absolutely amazing. Him for dirt and Edwin for street. Yeah, you know, and then recently, in recent times, uh, Corey Walsh. I saw I saw Corey Walsh take one run in a bowl at uh, House Park in Austin, Texas. I pedaled over him immediately and said, "All right, what what's going on here?" And he said, "What do you mean, what's going on?" I said, "What? Where did this come from?" Right. And he was like, "What are you What are you trying to say?" I said, "Just who the fuck are you?" <laughs> and he said, "Well, I'm from Canada. Right. You know, I'm a pro racer." And in two weeks, I got to decide whether I'm going to be on the Olympic team or I'm going to ride freestyle. No way. I said, well, here's my fucking card. Call me when you make the decision, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, Aiken, Edwin, and uh, nice. fucking... Perfect. You know. Uh, you probably remember Ari, Ari Sonnenberg. Um, mm-hmm. He lives... I want, He lives in Europe. I, I want to... Wow. I mean, I always mess up where he lives, but he was in the service and he ended up moving to Amsterdam, maybe? Wow. Something like that. Um, anyway, super nice guy. I got to know him through yeah. Instagram. Um, he just wanted to say what a good dude you were back when you guys were racing nationals, and that when you were staying in the same hotel, uh, which hey, people don't hear this stuff. You would take all the kids out that were racing, yeah. and all go go ride in the parking lot. How weird manual. is that? We would ride hotel parking lots. Yeah, that's how much we loved it. We'd race all day. Yeah. Sometimes you wouldn't even get out of your race leathers or whatever the hell they were. <laughs> Right? Your uniform. Think oh, yeah. about how crazy we looked. Oh, I wore the uniform to every set of trails. You know what's funny, too, real quick? Danny no. Bailey was the same way with the headphones. The, yeah. the yellow uh, Walkman. Remember the yellow sports Walkman? Yes. Oh, yeah. Sony sports Walkman. We had hundreds of them. Water resistant. Then they always broke, right? <laughs> yeah, right. But me and Danny, we would we would put the headphones in, and we would ride around our town, you know, full speed, and, you know. And then uh, recently I saw a girl that lived in, the, in, in that town. Yeah. And she said, man, you were the weirdest kid ever. All you and Danny Bailey did was ride around with your headphones on like lunatics. And I was just like, Thank did you. we? <laughs> and then like the parking lot thing, that's true. Yeah, Every race right. we'd go after the race, racing 10 hours a day, right. we'd still find time to ride in the park. I, I don't know how we did it, man. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's exactly what he was talking about. So true. And then he said, uh, he also said the days of the E-team, exclamation point. But I'm sure you did it more than just the E-team days. Yeah, I, I think... That was that was a rough one too, right? You go on yeah. you go on Road Fools, you have one drink on your birthday, and everyone thinks you're drunk. And it's like, no, I I didn't drink for 25 years. Right. I had one drink. I didn't know. And then right. You know, but it shows you how you go to the negative. You know, yeah, and it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't I don't I don't drink to this day. Right. I mean, I'll I'll have a beer if somebody hands me a beer, but I'm not right, seeking right. out a beer. And yeah, you don't or, have a closet full. Yeah, of home. I wish I liked wine because I like really I like good food. Right. So to have a nice glass of wine would be good, but. My yeah. wife's the wino. I'm not. So yeah, yeah. I just watch her drink. I don't yeah, know. It's dry. Yeah. It's a little tough. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Let's let's just say we're not going to be drinking it here. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. It's no place for wine. Yeah. Um, 
So anyway, he's a good dude. He just wanted me to mention that. Nice. Um, Mark King, a guy goes that goes under Dig Ride. Dig Ride Die 401. He's a Rhode Island guy. Super nice guy. Rival was a huge inspiration to me in my life, seeing that... Well, this is going to hit a little closer to home. Um, Rob was a huge inspiration to me in my life, seeing that Rob was not the smallest of the guys on the pro gate. And me being of similar size at that time, bottom line is that he gave the thicker guys hope and inspired me to be the rider that I am today. Gave me the confidence to get number one Rhode Island and 15 expert. So uh, there you go, man. I mean... And 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 that shit is real because the guys I looked up to were bigger dudes. The yeah. the Marty Tripes, the pro motocrosser dude, he was a bigger dude. He had plumber's crack hanging out while he's ripping a 500cc motocross bike. Yeah. I like that. I, I always liked bigger dudes. Right. My dad was a bigger guy. I don't know. That's just how I've always been. God, your dad you know? was tall. Thanks. <laughs> he know, was the, really tall, wasn't he? Yeah. Then like that's the thing. You know, yeah. you just you you. I would. I would I would relate to that dude as much as he related to me. So mm-hmm. and that that happens to this day, and I, I do like that. I don't think that's what's cool about BMX, man. There should be no discrimination, you know. No. And then if you make it look good, you make it look good, man. Dude, there's just there's a bigger dude in uh, Connecticut. I think his Instagram's Jorge K or something, but he's fucking stylish. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I, I do follow him. Yeah, yeah, fucking yeah. rips. Yep. And he's a yep. bigger dude. And I'm sure people yep. are like, wow, you rip for a bigger guy. No, fuck that. He just rips, period. Yo, it's like yeah. trying to say a girl, oh, you're good for a girl. What's that mean, dude? <laughs> you, you know what I mean? We just we just put Angie Marino and Paris Benicas on the on the, on cult and Oh yeah? They they rip, period. Yeah. Not for a chick. Right. They they both walk into the gnarliest skate park in San Diego with the gnarliest fucking ratty teeth missing skaters yeah. and just got amongst that session. And right. the dudes were like, yeah, yeah, they, they're cool. Let, yeah. let them ride the whole session. Right. You know what I mean? And that, that'd be that'd be hard for me to do. Right. You know? Right. So, right. So, yeah, man, fuck any stereotypes or shit like that, uh, you know? Thank, thanks for you know? saying that, man, because it isn't, isn't that the truth? And Totally. I'm glad, and that's what's rad about BMX. You could be a misfit. We are misfits, you know? We're not, we're not particularly artistic or, you know, right. well-versed. In, we're kind of fucking on a machine and we're trying to fucking get the thing to go you know it's, there's yeah. a lot to it you know what I, I said something to Stu Johnson I said mm. something something along the lines of hey you know I'm interviewing some guys it was about I forget in, in, what it was in reference to but it was like hey I don't want to step on anyone's toes that does this for real because I, I'm just doing it as a hobby this podcast thing and he goes he goes dude keep doing what you're doing totally. I love it this is BMX yeah. is DIY all the way exactly. through he's like you keep doing your thing. Yeah. And I think that's why you've been so well received because you were DIY the whole time you rode. You were doing one foot X ups and races to having your own trails to putting on races. And now you're back with side hacks and everything in between. It's <laughs> like you just get it done. And I think people, yeah. people can respect that, you know? Yeah. yeah well, I appreciate that. Yeah. And I just, yeah, it's just you and I on the same page on that one. Totally. Along with this guy, Mark. Yeah, for what sure. else we got? Uh, he also says, love the standard domination part of yours. Was your part in the Trail Boss frame because... Uh, I'm sorry. What was your part in the... Oh, separate question. Yeah. What was your part in the Trail Boss frame? Because when I think of the th- frame, I think of you. Was it supposed to be a signature frame? Did, did something happen between you and Rick? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, to me, that was my signature frame. But, you know, obviously when relationships go sour, he's going to have his version. I'm going to have mine. You know, I don't even really know. I haven't talked to the dude in years. Yeah. I really always really looked up to Rick. And Rick was a tough guy to be around. He was such a, you know, he's almost like Donald Trump. He's such a big personality. And so, you know, just even a big guy in general, you right. know. So right. we were young kids looking up to him. And, you know, he... He knew how to manipulate that, you know? So, right. yeah, I, I right. wouldn't say it's anything terribly negative. Yeah, there's probably some... Most of the guys that left Standard left with a bitter taste in their mouth because they probably didn't get what they feel they deserved, you right. know? Um, yeah, I've heard the stories. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's you know, from other totally. people it there. It is what it is, you know? Is, yeah, I mean, yeah. the guy's still, either way you cut it, he's a talented, yep. talented guy. Yeah. Definitely a talented guy all the way around. Yeah. Rider in, brand and then, builder. And then real quick on domination. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I enjoyed I enjoyed working with Glenn Milligan on that. Um, I met Glenn Milligan at uh, Malali Rink. He was the first filmer that I ever knew. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was just kind of filming. He was making New York Hardcore at the time, I believe, a video. Mm-hmm. And then he was nice enough to film me for that. And then I wanted to, you know, obviously return the favor. And I said, hey, Standard needs to make a video. You know, I want, I I think you should make it. And then, um, to me, that video was a pivotal point in history where it was a a video with, where you went out and you filmed for a part. Right. To be a part of a project. And I know there were other videos before that, all the head first, right on, you know, and all the other, you know, 1201 and all those great videos. But for this era in time, it, it felt like, you know, there was a team and we were trying to do it as a team. Right. And then, uh, and and the team was a little bit fractured as well because it still was freestyle and you know BMX and, and uh, trail riding were like a little separate at the time. Yeah. Obviously, by the end of the video, it came together, which was great, and right. that's why I like that video and that kind of era. Sure. Know? Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And then Glenn went on to produce hundreds of BMX videos. Oh know? my gosh! Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and, and had a had a part in base, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, there may be some surprises coming with yeah. that. Yeah, definitely. Which I, none of us can talk about yet, yeah. but we're going to be. Uh, I'm going to be doing one with uh, with Enos in a nice. couple of weeks, so we'll get the pools together and yeah. you know, get That'd a bunch of guys amazing. together. Yeah, yeah. It, it's going to happen. Yeah. What else you got? We're just timing it. So anyway, uh, Evan Smedley, guy from Harrisburg. Yeah. If Ride asked you to host another how-to video, would you do it? Yeah. I'd, I'd, that was another blessing and curse. So I put out a video part. Nobody remember that, but they remembered the how-to video. So yeah, I'd definitely do it again. <laughs> hey, it's all part of the hustle. Yeah. Right. Exactly. All right. Let's see. Was it hard being the owner of TM, friends with everyone in the beginning, mm-hmm. and has it gotten any easier? Uh, I, I'm. I may have written this incorrectly, yeah. but I would assume he's talking about Colt. Is yeah. It? Yeah. Let's do Colt for sure. Yeah, I think I think some of the guys I've had such a long relationship with, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Hawk and D Hard. I met them when they were 15. You know, they're they're almost 30. You wow. know, so that's 15 years of, you know, me, really trying to get them better deals in the game and take care of them as as they were my brother, and them doing everything they can in their power to help me make the brand go so right. yeah and I think yeah it, that that's when I talk about the moving parts it's difficult yeah. one minute you're a brother the next you're a boss you know sure. a lot of it can it's it's a lot of navigation you know and, and kind of knowing when to apply pressure and when to kind of back off and and realize the struggles you know I think you know I respect East Coast riders so much because the winter's so harsh 
you know, oh, and you gosh, gotta, and yeah. you gotta push to, that's why I moved to Cali, you know, yeah. I couldn't take it, I was yeah. riding a, I was riding a metal mini ramp in Greenport that was frozen, <laughs> I fucking slid out, bashed my head, oh. and just when I woke up, I was like, I gotta get the fuck out of here, you yeah. know, because this winter's six months long, it's killing me, you know, right, right, so, you know, those, I, I respect every East Coast guy there is, you, you know, you gotta have patience, yeah, you have a lot of patience, all right, we'll, we'll rip through them, yeah, uh, Quickly, what was your longest manual from also from Evan? <laughs> That's so ridiculous. I know. Well, it's funny I now know. that people people love these long manual lines, and I used to get shit for them. People would be like, "Dude, enough with and the." You were yeah. doing. I remember at my house, <laughs> you you were. I'm sure you were doing it other places too, but I filmed a bunch of clips of you landing manual. Oh yeah. You would land yeah. manual coming down from this field into this main jump, yeah. whatever we call it. This is back in rake and ride Yeah, we days. would try to link it up, right? Yeah. yeah, and you would land in a manual, try to manual to the next roller, yeah. which was a little roller to the main jump. And you were, back then, I mean, you were manual. And oh you were God. doing, like, the Drew Jenkins slash Satoski, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. you know, kind of manual landing God. deal. So we'll leave it yeah. at that. You, so, were, you were very good manually. Thank you. Um, all right, Danny Billy, comment nice. first. I want to first take note of our friendship and the utmost respect I have for Rob and life and BMX. Rob and I go back to the mid-80s, and I have shared so many life experiences, and throughout all these years, he has always maintained the idea that his life was in riding, in the business of riding, and to this day has done exactly that. Because of that, I have much love and respect for him, the son of... It's Jan, right? Yep. All right, Jan and, and Robert Morales, the late Robert Morales. Yeah. So that's his comment, and uh, he, he gets it. Yeah. And that's all there is to say on that one. He gets it. Um, his question is, you've had such a long, rich time in the sport. Well, we're not talking money, rich, yeah. right? Let's clarify that, Danny. Uh, rich time in the sport of BMX racing, whether kids of today know it or not, and that's what we started this yeah. off with, was the racing history that a lot of people may not know. And you made some of the biggest mains ever, which is tr very true, while always being sponsored with uh, with that. Do you miss the racing glory days, or do you look at that time as a distant, as a far distant memory? Well, I recently went to Chula Vista to watch one of the Supercross races, and I saw a 15-year-old girl jump like 50 feet, you know, and was like, "Man, it hit down the trail hill." Yeah, I was yeah. like. It has changed so much. Yeah. But I'm I'm still um, I still actually follow the Supercross races. I like guys like Nick Long and and you know all the badasses that, that still do it. Yeah. And, you know Barry Nobles and guys like that 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 I can see myself in them. You know that they're just a little more personality yeah. with those guys. And it's not to knock the other guys. Totally. Connerfield has a job to do. Does yeah. the job. He's a machine. Yeah. Stromberg machine. Totally. But you keyed in on two people yeah. that really, I think, stick out. And then, it, for, especially from our generation, seeing guys like that, you're like, oh, I can relate to that. Yep. I, I agree with you. It's harder to relate to the elite, elite dudes. Right. Well, I mean, they're all elite, but like right. the dudes that are just taking it as a job, I, I can't, I can't really fuck with. Yeah, but the guys that yeah. are having fun, or right. they'll like an Instagram post, or throw a jab in, or here right. or there, you know, that right. I enjoy that, you know. And sure. uh, I think racing. I, I just wish it was fun again. I, I really do. I wish, it, and it was when I went to Orange Y, and and it was like there were kids wearing jeans and a, and a t-shirt, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and they went over the berm and got up laughing. Like yeah, yeah. I was like, oh shit, I've done that too. And yeah. Those are the yeah. moments you you should race for. Even right. if even if you're a freestyle dude, you should just race just to check it out and yeah, have yeah. a have a laugh. Don't right. 
you know, it doesn't mean you're going to become an elite athlete. It just means you're on a fucking Sunday afternoon, you're going to try something different and have, yeah. have a good time, right. you know? So right. yeah, I wish it would really get back to that more. Yeah. And Ronnie and I talked about that too, Ronnie Bonner, when, when we did our, uh, yeah. our interview and there's no easy answer. Totally. Um, bottom line is we, we all have a passion for it still. Yeah. And it, it, there's just no easy answer. Yeah. And we're so far into this. Well, Magoo was talking yeah. about it at the picnic table. Totally. We're so far into it that it's pretty tough to. And he to he was he was seventies. He was in yes. the seventies. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. Oh, he was like you Kevin know, McNeil days. Yeah. So you're talking. I'm talking. You know, I started in the eighties. Right. Magoo started in the seventies. Right. You know, and and he's always. Magoo's amazing because he's always tried to make shit better. Right. You know, he put on the first Supercross races. He, you know, he sponsored numerous riders. Yeah. He did those Woodward yeah, Downhill those Woodward Downhill races. races. Well, that was the first Supercross races, you know? And he's he just wanted to make it better, you know? And, I mean, he's sponsored... So many riders owe him for getting thrown a bone on a team right. or maybe some knowledge or an right. opportunity and 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 now he's wildly successful in the chopper market with Biltwell and it's it's so rad to see you know he deserves yeah, it yeah definitely definitely, definitely. deserves it um, all right Susie Levin wow here we go yeah what was really going on in the secret auburn bathroom meeting at my house during the grants <laughs> oh my god susie is amazing okay so let's let's just preface this with susie may be one of the coolest chicks you know, no doubt, right? No that, doubt. The shit she put up with. I interviewed we her too. Stay at her house so with Jimmy. Jimmy would invite all these dirty BMXs to yep. her house. Yeah. We would all stay there. <laughs> I nothing homosexual was going on, Susie. If that's what you're going. No, towards. no, secret meeting. She yeah. just said secret meeting. I don't know. I don't know what. Well, was going it must on. have been Biggie yeah. and Todd, right? I must PC, have done something Todd stupid, Corbett. and they were trying to tell me not to do it again. Okay. Yeah. That's probably the reason. So we'll leave it at that. All right. Yeah. So, all right. There wasn't any like um, plotting against no. other teams that were staying there. That maybe. <laughs> God, it was so competitive back then. Yes, maybe there was. Because yeah. that would have been Todd Corbett, you, yeah. uh, Eric Burr told yeah. us, and totally. that was it, right? Yeah, Just probably at that time. Yeah, we were on tour. Right. But shout out to Jimmy for always straight up being so hospitable, and Jimmy's mom and Susie. Yeah. They were the raddest BMX family. Right. You always felt like you were family with them. They let you come stay at their house. We'd ride the trails. We'd ride the Louisville track. I mean, shit. And, yeah. and, and I'm so excited for Jimmy's documentary to come out. And, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I really feel like he's another guy who, who deserves a shitload because he did a lot for the sport as well. Right, right. You know? Yeah, I mean, he definitely risked it because yeah. he loved it. You know? Totally. And anyway, yeah. And, and you know what's, what's ironic is, is Susie's just like her, her mom. Yeah. You know, opens the door. Dude. I've stayed there a couple times, just doing different. I was different such a knucklehead during those days, and she was so cool to me. I, <laughs> I was just an idiot, and she was just like, <laughs> just put up with me being a dumbass. Oh man, uh, well, she'll she'll love that. <laughs> she'll definitely love you. It's the truth, this. though. God. All right, a couple more. Greg Dixon, uh, really another cool guy. Seeing that you, oh, here we go. Seeing that you're. A, you're a very boisterous personality in BMX and not afraid to speak your mind. What is your go-to? Oh, I like this. <laughs> what is your go-to line for someone with not so thick skin that when they get their feelings hurt? What would you What would you say oh was a God. good go-to line to sh to shut someone down? Oh man, I had a, a couple. It depends. You did have a couple because Ground Chuck uh, uh, mentioned a, a couple. <laughs> Jesus. 
Yeah, Ronnie. Yeah, let me let me go back to that one. I gotta think. All right, all right. We'll go back to that one. Uh, let's see, Ben uh, Polacek. Polish yeah. Uh, how did writing for Standard prepare you for writing, for running your own company? I think we kind of yeah, kind of touched that. Yeah, definitely. So let's let's skip on through. But yeah. shout out to Ben for sending in the yeah, question. Yeah, Ben's badass. Um, Tim Temp, uh, Tim Tempe. Well, he's going to hear a lot of these questions. So another one's more of a shout out. Ah, here here we go. Road Fools One had some pretty deep conversations mm-hmm. about BMX. Is this how guys thought it would be 20 years later? No, definitely not. But I definitely feel that that was a moment in time where. Yeah, baby. <laughs> we talked about it. Owns an owns island off of Georgia. <laughs> um, yeah, so Road Fools won for sure. To me, that that was like a seminal moment where it was like, all right, you know, there's these brands that are out and they're all kind of whack. Yeah, right. And we think we can do it. We, we right. don't know shit about business. Right. But we know we know, we know what we need in a, in a bike because we've broken everything previous. Right. 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 And... We know what looks good because you just inher- they inherently have that talent. Sure, and they know how to ride good, you know. So, right. I think going up that trip, and you know, when I watch that trip, sometimes it's overwhelming because some of the tricks that would go down were seriously NBDs, never been done. Right. So you're getting to witness like a video game, you know, played for mm-hmm. the first time, and you're but it's real. So it was really overwhelming for me. It kind of pushed my riding to kind of catch up as best I could, but I was nowhere near the level because they were just progressing so fucking fast. And it was so exciting. So I think there was a lot of energy, and it was like, hey, let's take control of this. Let's make this into a brand. Let's run our own industry and be independent and not let the, you know, kind of bigger corporate companies kind of, you know, because there was that weird time, man. How weird were the 90s? It was dead for a while. Yeah. You couldn't get a free pair of grips. I won the the Enduro contest that Ted put on, and I got a like a tire, right, you know. Right. But I was and a seventy five dollar voucher for a tattoo that I have on my arm, to, you know. So I loved it, but right, it was hard to, you know, oh, you didn't, yeah. there wasn't a lot out there. Right. And then all of a sudden, this corporate influence came in because they wanted to capitalize on action sports and youth and this and that, and right. they thought BMX was the way. And these companies dumped a lot of money in. So now all of it, you had people riding from everything from Huffy to, you didn't even know what. It was just, I mean, I wound up on Univega. Like, I'm not, right. I don't. Or DK I, with 1-800 Collect. There you go. Yeah. And then you look at your jersey and there's 16 sponsors. They pay you $25 each, right. but you can pay your rent. Right, so you're right. not mad. You're just confused because you don't even right. know what's coming next but you're everything's moving so fast it's like you the know? poor boy version of motocross supercross yeah you got all these you got to read them all i like yeah. to think blah, 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 yeah blah, 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 and you're go. just like well, how did we get here right right you know we were just in a bus doing a road trip that's all it was but yeah you know so having to navigate through that time i think it drew a line in the sand right mm-hmm. yeah we're not going to fuck with that corporate chip we're going to be diy and independent and those were those were rad times i mean going up to spooky cycles and watching the first bikes get made that shit was awesome the spooky wow. dave you know welding up the i you know, totally remember because i ran that yeah. team when they dabbled Dude, in bmx so you know and then yeah you got taj drawing the artwork the two guys fighting themselves yeah. you know kind of sums up my personality perfect yeah you know then you know, the frames come out. You're excited. We thought we made the smallest dropout in the world. I looked at it the other day. And yeah. You could kill somebody with that dropout, you know. But, well, you know, we were ahead of the time, man. It was cool. Oh, man. That's, that's good stuff. All right. Mike Rotundo. Yeah. Legend. Yeah. 
does having BMX in your livelihood and con- and constantly being around it as uh, your day to day ever take away your passion or love for BMX now that it's a job and means to make a living more so than a hobby? Uh, uh, we kind of covered. Yeah, but that. real quick, I think Instagram sure. is is killing it a little bit for me. Is it? Okay. I, I, I think I think having to post so much. Is, is getting a little overwhelming to keep up yeah that's all yeah other than that i'm still 100 percent passionate and love it yeah, and yeah, never yeah. grow tired of it but the instagram thing is and it's got to change soon right it's, yeah. it's just such a big part of everything now i feel like the bubble will burst at some point I, I i got conspiracy theories that it might all just shit the bed and we might go back to like like fucking writing letters and shit like right. it might have right. to go all the way back right. to zero to to reset itself because it's yeah. batshit crazy right now you oh, know yeah. so I, and I've been watching way too much YouTube, yeah. going down the rabbit hole, you know. Yeah, yeah, baby. And and then and then watching all these conspiracy theories. My wife is so pissed. Oh, I will come to bed at like four a.m. thinking yeah. that the Earth is flat and there's an alien <laughs> landing in the backyard and uh, there's radiation in the phone and I don't know. It's all there, you know. So yeah, oh. thanks, thanks, Mike, for breaking oh, up all no. my conspiracy <laughs> theories. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, that was a that was a different question. Than yeah, I got realized. off got off topic. No, Mike, thank thank you for that, Mike. Um, here, Jared Rafflick. Yeah. DK, uh, do you consider BMX a sport? Maybe one genre of it over others. Mm, yeah, the race side is a sport for sure. Yeah. And and I think he would agree because he he comes from that cloth as well. Right. Right. But if you, you know, I mean. If I go on his Instagram, he's doing tabletops at the park. This probably right now. Right. So right. that that's why I feel it's more of a lifestyle, yeah. if anything. Yeah. And and I feel that was kind of the long-winded spiel. Sure. This whole podcast basically sums up that yeah. we're all in this lifestyle together, and and I, and right. I'm I'm still happy to be a part of it, and yeah. and that the fact that I can go on Jared's Instagram and see him still shredding because he's you know an older guy like me i think is awesome yeah you know absolutely i yeah the only thing it comes down to is partly accessibility because this type of thing is so much more accessible than racing yeah and you don't it takes out the competitive aspect totally so i think that's what differentiates what is a support what is a sport within bmx Trey, trey even took it to another level by not giving out money here yeah like if you enter you're entering because you want to fucking ride. Right. And you want to be a part of this event. Right. Fuck your prize money. Yep. You'll get that at fucking right. what other ga- X Games or whatever. You sure. Know? Sure. So, yeah. No, yeah. 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 I, I get awesome. it. Uh, Josh Hayes. You remember Josh Hayes? Yeah. There? Long Island guy. He uh, he also lives overseas now. Maybe Belgium, I think. Wow. But uh, another really cool guy. Uh, how do you feel? We did talk about the trail boss, but how do you yeah. feel about... How do you feel about looking back on your two signature frames, the Trail Boss and the T1 Progression, and how they changed the way BMX would develop over the future? <laughs> I, li- I like that's a good question because, you know, I, I was riding in S&M Homes. It felt a little long, so mm-hmm. we shortened the rear up, you know. I wasn't an engineer by any means, and I never pretended to be, right. but I could tell you that I wanted the rear end to be shorter to be able to do more manuals. Yeah, you know? of course. Shocker. Yeah, but right. you know what I mean? Like that's what I'm proud of like I'm proud of the fact that like I saw these changes and I communicated them somehow Mm -hmm. to get them done get them implemented and I think it made riding better 
you know, and, right. and, it, and it does to this day. We look at, you know, we're pretty much at the ceiling now. I don't yeah. want to say there's no innovation, but like right. now we do more things for, um, you know, like even getting every bolt on the bike to be six millimeter, that we had to do that. We had to fight with Taiwan over and over again to finally get them to do that. So now you only need a 17 and six to put your whole bike together. You know right. what I mean? So right. little innovations like that I'm proud of. Shorter rear ends, stuff like that, you know, sure. sparking that stuff way back in the day. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm glad he asked that. That's, that's a good question. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he also asked, as you've just re-entered the racing scene with Colt, do you have plans to do anything more in the direction of your roots of trails and racing? Um, kind of talked about that, but, it, I mean, it's... I, just... I, I think coming here may, may spark more dudes to do events, which is great. Because I think events are what kept it going, right? Jams, you oh, know. We do yeah. a ton of jams at, at the clubhouse where we drag out some ramps and Is we that try the band still? Yeah, totally. Yep. You know, and, and we try to and that cult as well, you know. Yep. So we try to like Oh, okay. You know, sorry, yeah. we try to like switch up the ramps, keep things fresh, keep the mm -hmm. guys, you know, kind of involved. Sure. And I think, you know, hopefully there another hybrid comes back. Like right. kind of a race trail thing. I don't really know I don't think it should be speed and style but it should be you know almost like that Enduro thing that yeah, should yeah. Ted should do that again yeah maybe we'll get with Ted and make him we'll all do an event we'll do it we'll make you it know. happen you know it's all, get... I don't, it feels like Trumbull though the, the the Scotty Jam you put on at Trumbull had the trail aspect and the race aspect yep. and the pump track right it, it, it felt like it was all there and it was a great great time that's yeah. Hopefully more of those events spawn out of stuff like that. Yeah. Well, definitely. another one this year, same place. So, Boom. and hopefully that, like you said, hopefully that spawns more yeah. because I'm one guy. Yeah. Other guys like yeah. Trey doing it. Yep. We need to step it. up. You're right. More people got to just do it. And totally. there's plenty of guys to be out there doing it. And the yeah. team guys can do it. You know, it doesn't have to be just Trey. Yeah. It can be the guy that rides for Ronnie. It could be anybody. Yeah. Anyway, um, his last one. Can you please make a T-shirt of Neil Wood fist fighting Greg Romero at uh, the Phoenix National? What an National. awesome moment that was, man! I don't even know about that fight. Yeah, just just right on the infield of the track. It was insane. Full on fight in the yeah, infield. Yeah, Phoenix Winter Nationals. Just wow. Neil might have got him with an uppercut that lifted him <laughs> off the ground. It was like a helmets fucking, off. It wasn't like hockey. No, no, no. Or, full yeah. full gear on. Or it was like hockey. Yeah, I should say. yeah. Just threw the bike down. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that's that's good stuff. I didn't even realize that one. Yeah. There's two polar opposites right there, Neil Wood and Greg Romero. Totally. Um, uh, Murphy Murphy uh, Machete, he's a, a Pittsburgh guy. If you were to pass down the title of Trail Boss, who would you give it to? Oh, Chuck. You know, I mean, I, I went over the left hip on the push eight pack, did a one foot table, landed at the bottom, looked up. Chuck laid down the baddest ass seat grab one foot table right behind me. And at that moment, I knew, like, fuck. This is the dude, and, uh -huh. and 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 I had two roads to go. Right, I could have cock blocked him <laughs> and held him down and made his life miserable. <laughs> but instead, I said, "You know what, buddy? Put you on standard, and the fucking rest is history." You know, but oh, yeah, he... I, I feel I feel like Chuck was Chuck was the epitome of you know being a trail boss. He fucking rode so awesome yeah. and he tweaked it just a little bit more and yeah. was a little more stylish than yeah. everyone else you know yeah. and uh i think that was interesting times you know you 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 uh, kaminsky was asking superfly about it like hey did it make it competitive or were there these weird yeah time and 
Yeah, of course. It, right. it, everyone was trying to get there, so it created that kind of environment. But when you knew something was really good, right, you couldn't fight it. Right. I was like, Chuck, right. you're the fucking guy, you know. Yeah. And if whatever happened after that, whatever happened, but right, that dude, and and then you know, there's a few moments, you know, when I was in the backyard of Fuzzy's house and. I saw a 15-year-old kid in a in a sun-kissed orange T-shirt, just tearing shit up. Yeah. I knew from that moment on. I even say it in the video. I'm like, oh, that kid's special. He's got something. And that was Mike Aiken, you know. So, really? yeah, okay. to be able to see him at 15 and then sponsor him, yeah. and then and then kind of go through the ups and downs. And he was in BMX, you know, 17 years, and I, I feel like he never got what he deserved in right. the game. Right. But there was one do tour that he won on on style alone mm -hmm. and i was there and yeah i'm not gonna lie i cried because it was so awesome yeah that there there are some highlights obviously you know when he 180 the set of doubles at x games in philly when he i don't know when he just did what he did you know guys like that they're they're they are legends you know chuck mikey you know Right. Taj and Joe, these guys, you know what I mean? They're they're just epic, epic riders, you know, and they all made a lasting impact on the game. And, you know, for Mikey to never get what he really deserved, my heart, you know, I, I'm still not okay with it. I still don't know what to do. Yeah, you know? that's uh, a heavy one. I, I don't, uh, again, I was out during that time, but I've talked to, obviously, Jeff Allen about it. He did the, I think he did a fundraiser yeah. for him. Um, but just a... Just a tough break. For to be to be honest, it, it, it was you know it was pre Scotty, so this yeah. is the first time. And yeah, to, and to have and to have your guy that does it the best, better than anybody, go down was really weird. I was at the Edney Skate Park on a Sunday afternoon. Mm -hmm. His wife Trista called me, said Mikey's in Pennsylvania. He went down. Oh no, Hawk called me. Okay, Hawk called me first. I don't know what the fuck's going on. Mikey's KO'd. He hasn't woke up. We don't know what's going on. They put him in a tarp. They car carried him up to the truck. The truck's taking him to the hospital. I'm like, how bad is this dude? Has he just got a concussion or whatever? He's like, he hasn't woke up yet. It'd probably been 15 minutes. I'm like, fuck. Jump on the red eye, get there Monday. Fucking get to the hospital. It's a hospital in Bethlehem, PA. It's not the best. Right. It's fucking rough. Right. I'm confused. I don't know what to do. Right. The family's coming into town. I'm driving back and forth, shuttling family to the thing. It's right. weird. We're getting cryptic messages. Right. There's all sorts of, you know, that's what I'm saying. It's another moment in time where I may have not handled it 100% correctly because there's so much emotion and so much pain and frustration going on. Right. And maybe a little bit of, like, it was a trip for Anthem, so it wasn't a fit trip, so it was off my clock. But that was my dude. Right. Who I loved more than, you know, anybody in BMX. So right. I felt, man, I should have been there. What the fuck? You know? Yeah. Why the fuck did this happen? Who the fuck was filming? Who the fuck's problem is this? Right, right. And it was just a freak accident. But at the time I couldn't think of it as a freak accident. This yeah. is the best dude in the world to do it. Yeah. You can't fucking tell me something didn't go on that make this happen. Right. So right. granted, I may have ruffled some feathers, pissing people off. It's still not, and even for Mikey, the whole time I was there, the week after, he was in a coma. So he doesn't even know that I was there. So there's mixed emotions all over the joint. Wow. So I reconnect with him at last Interbike at Norcup two, yeah. two years ago. Mm -hmm. 
And I don't even know what to say to the guy because I'm like, I don't fucking know, dude. You're the guy. I'll fucking give you a part of cult. I don't give a shit. Just fucking let's figure it out. And that's kind of where almost the trail and race thing started to come back because I thought I would hit up the guys at Deluxe. We would make American-made frames. Mikey would back him and he could have his own division and brand and I could put him in business and I could do all this shit and I could help his life and right. I don't know, sometimes I think a little bit too big or something, you know, because the reality is, is he's got a a job now, and he's an amazing father and family man, and Owen, his son, is fucking him incarnate, so it's like, the next Aiken is coming, you know, so it's like, he rides, he does everything good, everything, he's a soccer player, bike rider, skateboarder, doesn't, just does everything good, he's one of those, he's Mikey's spawn, it's insane, right, 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 so, uh, yeah, I don't mean to go on a rant, but I, no, I, I haven't feel, talked about it in public at all because it's been really... I feel bad you know, for you because it sounds like yeah. you're putting an awful lot of blame on yourself. And, and you know, at that time, yeah. it sounds like you were, you know, trying to reverse something and say, who, you know, who did this? Yeah. You know, blame it on someone because totally. because you wish you could reverse it, you know. but um, And then it was hard for Hawk, too, because he was there. Yeah. And he felt some type of way about it also. Yeah, yeah. And it was just fucking tough. It's been tough ever since. And right. I still, it's still not fucking settled with me right. I, I, I don't know. I don't. And that's what was so interesting about Scotty. Yeah. That it was almost like, you know, we had done jams for Mikey and fundraisers and shit. But it was almost like when Scotty got hurt. Right. People kind of knew how to go into action. And it, and it it went a little smoother, you know. Right. I you know I remember I worked at Fox at the time. I walked in and I said, "You motherfuckers got to pay for everything, everything for this guy." And Pete Fox looked at me in the eye and said, "For Mikey." Yeah. Yeah. And he said, "Dude, you slow your roll. You know how right. many motocross dudes die?" And I just went, "Huh? What are you?" I was naive. Yeah, yeah. They've dealt with this shit since 1970, whatever, when they started the brand. And he's like, "Listen, we're gonna help." They paid for his medical flight from from PA to Utah was like 20 grand, you know? So they stepped up. Yeah. But I was full of so much piss and vinegar. I'm banging on the table and they're going, whoa, whoa, dude, this is your first guy you've had happen this. This happens once a month with us. Some dude's paralyzed or yeah. some dude died. And I didn't, I was naive. I didn't know. And, and right. you know, BMX still isn't ready for it. Luckily, Scotty's figured it out with the YouTube and being such an amazing human being. But like, yeah. we don't, I mean, when Corey Walsh fell the other day when we were filming and he broke his jaw, his nose, and his teeth. That's right. Yeah, there was a yeah. fucking moment where we were, we were like, what the fuck do we do? This is the most blood I've ever seen on, on, on a skate park bowl, you know? Right. And he's such a Canadian badass. He's calm as can be. Right. Right. I'm falling apart. You know, I take my shirt off, you know, put it on his face to stop the bleeding. Right. Pull him out of the bowl. Ambulance comes. He goes, I ain't fucking going with them. Let's go. I jump in the van, run every stoplight to the hospital. Listen to this. It's like flashback. Man. Homeboy, really homeboy. Just... I, Thursday night, Palm Springs yeah. hospital. I'm like, got to be empty, right? Who the fuck's going to be in there? It's like 50 people in the emergency room wearing SARS masks. Everybody's got the flu. There's all sorts of weird shit. Yeah. I come back out to the van. I pull right in the front. I'm like, fuck, Corey. I don't know, man. It's pretty busy in there, you know? And he's like, don't worry, man. I'm going to walk in the door. I'm going to scream at the top of my lungs, and we're getting in there. Fucking double doors slide open. He takes the fucking shirt off his face, screams top of his lungs. He's covered in blood, mind you. Looks like somebody shot him in the face. 
Fucking nurse runs out from the back, takes him right in the back. <laughs> fucking what a badass, huh? What a oh badass. Oh my god, his jaw hanging from his face, totally. probably. Rah! Everyone's oh like, what the god. fuck? Right to the back. Oh my god. Yeah. So yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, you know, in in Fox I can kind of understand yeah. their standpoint because yeah, I mean there's there, the injuries that road to recovery. Totally. They are busy as hell. I, Unfortunately, they I are had no busy idea. You go hell. on there, you go to Road Recovery's Instagram, right. you see a new guy every day. Yep. And it's from every action sport there is. Yep. All over the world. A lot of it is motocross though. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of motocross. But totally. yeah, you you're right. It yeah. is all, all And and if you think about both injuries with Scotty and Mikey, they're motor cross style injuries. They were that high and that much force and that much speed. Right. To dead stop. Yep. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. No, I, unfortunately, you're right. We're all learning how to. Uh, I, mean, I had to take Mikey's brother to Posh. Yeah. To show him the jump it happened on. Yeah. That was like fucking hard. You know what yeah. I mean? And Mikey's family is amazing. Yeah. He he he, he was the golden child. You know, it's good. Brothers and sisters, they're all fucking awesome, talented in their own right. But Mikey was the one who got the fucking special gene to be able to do what he did, you know, so yeah. those guys were like, well, you gotta show me, I don't I don't, I need to see where this happened, you know, and I was like oh shit, this is gonna be tough, but I drove him to Posh and we went down to the jump and, you know man, yeah, it's, that, that, that shit still That's, weighs on me heavy you know? I, I, uh I don't know, That's a lot of responsibility yeah. to put on yourself, it's a, I, I don't, uh I wish it weren't that way for you. Mm. I really do. Uh, that's it's just that's yeah. a lot of weight on your shoulders, and you know, hopefully someday you can resolve that because yeah. within yourself, because that's a. I cried my eyes out when I saw him at Interbike, man. Yeah. You know, and I think right. he has such an amazing library of footage. That's yeah. the problem. I want to do something with him, but I would need that footage. Yeah. But those people aren't going to give me that footage. Yeah. But I mean, it, that footage stands up today. You could put out his video part tomorrow. Kids would think he filmed it last week. Right. You know. Right. But you're talking fit, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, and, yeah, and they've got the footage. Yeah, and then he, all yeah. the brands he wrote for during that time. You know, if you were yeah. to put all that together and re-release it and re-pop it, I mean, look at these skateboarders, 50, 60 year old. Mm -hmm. They're still on the payroll. You know, I, I, right. I'm trying to preserve something like that. You know what I mean? Tony right. Alva. Right. Tony Alva. I mean, yeah, he's all right. First guy to grind a pool, whatever, you know. Okay, cool. Yeah. But the fact that he can do it when he's 60 and still get paid is fucking awesome. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Or Caballero or anything. There you guys. go. Yeah. You know, Hasoy. Yeah. All those yep, guys. Hussoy. Props to those guys, you know. And yeah. It is, a, it is amazing. But I think the industry took care of them. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to create an industry that did take care of its guys. But it's a little slow on and, that one. And, yeah. And you're right that... Uh, it, it seems like it was a learning curve for the industry because, yeah. well... Yeah. That's right. a good point because the I, Scotty thing, people got it right. They, they did, they they did get it right, yeah. but I was going to say he also did himself right mm. because he went from <coughs> a, yeah. a, a, you know, a third of what he has now for, follow, for a yeah. following pre-accident to what he is now. So he did a lot of hustling on his own. Good point. And with the help of Big Boy, and with, I and I Alex. think, and in Mikey's situation, it was a it was a moniker he didn't he didn't want. He right. didn't want to be Helmet Boy. He didn't want to be the poster child for helmets and shit like that. He didn't. Yeah. He didn't. He he wanted to say, hey, you should wear one. I didn't. 
I got fucked up. You should wear one, but yeah, I think that was a lot of pressure to put on one dude. You know, I mean, yeah. shit, we were trying to start a helmet company with the guy. Yeah. You know, and he's going, dude, I don't want to be the helmet guy. I'm like, fuck. Uh, That's funny the things you do when you're when you're scrambling, huh? Man. Like, oh, you got a brain injury? Let's start a fucking helmet company. You're you're just yeah. trying to do something to keep this guy's livelihood good because right. you love him so fucking much. Right. And if right. it comes off weird, fuck, it comes off weird. I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's no right answer yeah. to it, and if he doesn't want to participate in it, there's really nothing you can do. Exactly. There's nothing exactly. you can do. It, you've tried. You've tried yeah. what you could try. So it's. Yeah. I, I don't know. I give you credit for trying what you can try and just dealing with it the best you can. But I hear you. It's going to be painful for a, a while, I'm sure. Totally. So let's just hope that this stuff doesn't yeah. happen again. Exactly, and, man. And it's just, you know, yeah. we come to events like this, and yeah. I just hope to God no one gets hurt yeah. badly. And, and let's face it, it, you know, statistically, it's a it's a pretty safe sport. Yeah. You know, it, it yeah, but look at the moto guys, like you're saying. Oh, my they, God. They, they looked at me like I was retarded. They were like, this happens once a week. I'm like, what? Oh, you know? Yeah, all the time. All the yeah. time there's there's something happening. It, it's yeah. it's scary stuff. But All right, what you else know. you got? All right. Lighter, lighter subject. Yeah. All right, we're, we're actually going to finish yeah, with... Yeah, let's uh, wrap it up. We're going to finish with favorite video parts. And that was more my question because <laughs> yeah. you've, been, you've been in a lot of videos and, um, and uh, I... I can't even count them, you know. So, do you have think, a favorite uh, video part or parts? I'll do. I'll do like genres, you know. Okay. I think early FBM twelve oh one lights out. You know, Albert Street. That's those Stu? videos. Stu yeah. and Crandall, those guys. Yeah. Those, those were some fucking. They captured what BMX was. Um, yeah. Parrick and the Etnies videos, early ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of emotion there. You know, Ruben's part, Taz, Joe, all the guys. Right. Um, and then I think, shit, what else do I like? Uh, I think, I think it's funny that some of the, like the fit videos and stuff, you know, we were such a part of everything from song choice to, you know, trick selection, you know, we just, we were so involved in those and then people don't even realize that and some of the riders don't even realize that you know mm. i think d hart said like yeah you know that people like that part because the song's good it's like yeah well we picked the song for you dude like you know there's a whole thing going there you know so yeah <laughs> videos funny. videos in bmx have been yeah. i think that i think they're rad when they um when they kind of you know make a statement you know obviously animal video you know makes right. a, a statement in street and you know mm. i think um there's so, you know, obviously there's so many in it, and it's annoying to just say like, oh, you know, I like them all or whatever. That I'm not doing that. I'm not pulling that right, cop right. out move. Right, right. Um, but off top, you know, um, you know, I I like, I like, uh, not to be self promoting, but you know, I think the first cult video we did and talk is cheap were really, yeah. really, kind of, really in the moment of what was going on. You sure. Know? And we're we're halfway through another one right now, and I think we're we're right there because it, it culminates on what we've just been talking about, where there is going to be you know trail riding in it. There is you know it's heavy street, but there is riot, park riding and bull riding, and you know even Dan Foley was like, hey, you know if I, what about wooden park footage? And I was like, if sure. it's you and you're doing something cool, it's going in. 
You know yeah. what I mean? We don't have these strict rules where it's only street or, you know. Right. It, if it's BMX and it's cool, it's going in. And that's the rule of thumb. And, and uh, I'm looking forward to getting that project done pretty soon here. Yeah. But yeah, I think, um, you know, and then for me, not to date myself, but shit, the homeless trash videos and, you know. Oh, gosh. Head first and ride on. Remember those when you yeah. first saw them? You were yeah. just like, I didn't even know you could do that. Yeah. You know, you were just so excited and it was all such a new world and you know, and then and then, you know, it 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 made you I, I get annoyed when kids are like, What's that song or what's this? What's that? Figure it the fuck out, man. I didn't know who the fuck Fugazi was till I saw her ride on or head first, you know? Figure it out. That's the beauty of BMX. It's gonna turn you on, it's gonna open you up and to right. new experience and new music and new vibes and right. shit that you're not privy to necessarily right. but then you can tap into it and then you're a part of it and then you're fucking in it yeah. and it's fucking awesome you know yeah. what I mean like yeah. you know and then you know you hear those first few chords of a you know Fugazi song and you think right. of fucking Hoffman or you know you think of these oh yeah these moments you know what I mean and, and you know I, and I, I think you know I'll see a kid use the song I used in Domination the Danzig song they'll just use it in a web edit and I'm like well why the fuck would you Oh, so they probably haven't even seen my video part. Okay. You know, so you're like a little butthurt, but at the same right, time, right. you're like, well, at least you picked a good song. You know? So you can't overthink it, right? Jesus. Oh, man, that's good uh, stuff. Yeah. All right, so one more quick thing. A uh, little bit on the racing. Actually, team. Yeah. Just shout out to the team team members uh, right through to the BMX side. Um, just name them because yeah. uh, you there's been some changes like you said you just added a couple yeah we, we it's pretty hard to get on the team right now so, so who, you know the who, main guys that are going to be influenced the decision are you know hawk dehart dakota alex kennedy uh foley Corey walsh you know he just got on foley just got on so the, those right. are our newest guys yeah you know um there's a bunch of ams that are kind of on their way up right now and then we sponsor a couple overseas guys like Killian Roth in Germany and Ollie Shields in England. Okay. And a um, uh, bunch of awesome fucking dudes in Colombia, Andre Sachoa, Santiago Munoz, guys like that that are coming up. Um, mm -hmm. And I like the fact that it's a global brand now. You can work with distributors. You can help the distributor give the rider more support in the country. And then, you know, when the rider comes here, he feels like a part of something. And then um, we don't forget our OGs like Russ Barone and, you know, uh, Timmy Theus and guys like that that have been down since day one. And, you know, they're not necessarily, you know, kind of living the pro lifestyle as much, but they're still a huge part of what we do. And, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And I, I don't think... They still I, kill it, too. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think I'm the type of guy that's going to let them come to me and say, hey, I'm done. You know, like sure. Ru Russ was like, hey, you know, I got a lot going on. You know what I mean? But um, I'm still on the team, right? I'm like, fuck yeah. You know, yeah, you're my guy's, brother. The guy still you know? kills it. Totally. Every Heck, day. Samurai Kiko. Yeah. So many times. Yeah, and I'm stoked uh, he's coming here this weekend. So, yeah. yeah, there's tons of good stuff going on. And um, If we can get him off a surfboard. Yeah, exactly. He, he might come. Yeah. He might. <laughs> and then on the race side, you know, we got the priest racing team and then Vic and then, um, you know, Vic Bam. And, and we're trying to develop more and we're open to working with you know kind of a shop team or something like that so mm -hmm. we might have some new stuff in the future and uh just getting just getting after it this year you know i think 2018 is going to be a good year it's uh yeah you know 16 was so flat that it made 17 difficult even though it was getting better right. now we're getting 18s looking better 
so we're like getting a little bit more um, optimistic on doing events and traveling and you know kind of pounding the pavement because it's like oh it's there it's going to be there we need to go hard you know so yeah. that's going to be this year it's going to be a lot of traveling a lot of uh and a lot of good shit coming out you know we got a cult video coming out there's a vans video coming out like a lot of a lot of really another vans collaboration shoe we got coming out later in the year so yeah ton of good stuff going on yeah geez i keep forgetting <laughs> about the vans collaration because yeah. you've got vans tires vans totally. grips you know yeah, we got, got new colors just came stuff. out with pink they actually came out nice yeah um yeah yeah and then yeah i can't thank vans enough they're 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 one brand that's really stood by colt and you know for being such a big brand the fact that they even you know throw a bone to a small brand like us but it's a real family over there and they understand what i'm trying to do with the brand and they it's similar to their ethos sure so a big huge corporate company right but it's family and if anybody tries to kind of change that setup they they you know steve van doren is on it yeah he's like no family first team first this is how right. we built the brand right you know since 66 you know plus, plus you got a guy that gets it because you got you know you got jerry batters that yeah. raced you got totally you know i i don't know a lot about scene but you got yeah you, you got scene yeah, good there background from pittsburgh y yeah it's funny uh uh I just know he's a good dude. He was, good he, dude. Was, he helped me a lot with with but Stig, uh, the Stig and, and Chuck from Push. His name is Seen, but they never they'd call him Sean. Oh. They'd never call him Seen. I thought that was amazing. I was I was actually warned by Ground Chuck. Yeah. He's like, since you're asking for something, Get don't it right. don't yeah. fuck it up. It's a touchy subject. Call him Seen. It's pretty amazing, right? <laughs> it's funny, yeah. funny, funny stuff. But good guys there. Yeah. They're they're a huge help. But. You can just shout out whoever you want, buddy. And, and Obviously, uh, you know, the team members and, and anybody anybody who's ever supported Cult whatsoever and all the people in my past that put up with me and, you know, I mean, listening to some of the podcasts, it was funny, you know, even even when Superfly was like, yeah, you know, he would tell us the photo shoot was at three <laughs> and, you know, it was actually at noon, but, you know, and then I, you know, I kind of... Was that terror or was that Superfly? I think it was Superfly, <laughs> <Okay>. you know. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know it's all good no but what i like about it is that it, it it was a little window into the way things were in the sense where it was like yeah you were you were having to learn how to navigate situations like that early yeah. on you know yeah. and then and then also try to include other people too so you weren't just a complete you know egomaniac you know yeah. what i mean but but at the same point like they they called me you right. know what I mean? So obviously I'm going to get mine and then you can get yours too. But, you know, yeah. I got to organize the whole thing and a lot of it fell on my shoulders and sometimes I made good decisions, sometimes I made bad ones, you sure. know? Yeah. So, you know, that is BMX in a nutshell, it feels like. Right, right. Know? No, absolutely. I, you know, obviously everyone's got good memories. Yeah. So it's, it's, there's... It's funny. There's there's nothing there's nothing yeah. negative. Look at these guys practicing for this flat track deal. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. It is gonna be good. Flat yeah. track race tomorrow night. But anyway, yeah. I, I really appreciate and thank you, you doing for the podcast, bud. Oh, anytime. and the years of friendship, dude. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Where do we man. stay? Will we stay in your garage? Where would we stay? Oh no, you you want to get into this you, in the basement? The basement. That's what I meant. Where all the magazines exactly. were. Exactly. I was obsessed. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. You and Kilmy Waller. Yeah. Kilmy yeah. Waller. Well, he couldn't really write trails anyway, but he so Kilmy Waller. Yeah. yeah. He would stay up in the basement and read the magazines, but um, but I think you and Danny would stay in the basement yep. and just. I think I had a recliner down there or something. And you guys would just read the magazines because I had boxes and Dude, boxes. Dude, so of awesome. Them. I had so much stuff down there, uh, but 
Yeah, it was good stuff. Oh, I have to mention one more quick thing that I've forgotten to mention in Soup's videos and Danny's. But they said both of them would wait until you went away to a race. Yeah. And they would go ask your mom if they totally if you had any parts downstairs. So the basement was legendary. <laughs> That's where I kept all my old stuff. I was and if told they could, if they could get in there, they got to pick whatever they wanted. If so they could wait till I was mom. That is true. They and and then when we were moving, we yeah. had a yard sale that lasted about a week, and people from all over Long Island came and bought shit. Oh, yeah, it's all so it's all around. Yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Everyone's got a little piece of Robbie. Oh, history. totally. I sold everything, all the uniforms, all the really? frames, everything. Wow, that is amazing. But that story always cracks me up. Where they would wait until you left, and then your mom wanted to get rid of shit, so she yeah. started to give away. She, like, she she wasn't a hoarder. Time, I was a hoarder. She was uh, right. Get it out of here. It's amazing. <laughs> so soups and uh, of course they would go when I was go. gone. <laughs> oh, I love those dudes, man. Absolutely. Good shit. Well, everyone loves you, buddy. Oh, Mike, thank you, man. That means a lot. All right. Cheers, thank bud. You. Thanks for the opportunity. Cheers. Thank you. Yeah. Too funny, bro. Yeah.